welcome to Left of the Throne, a Game of Thrones review podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montarulo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? Woo! Having a great fucking time drinking the tears of all the people that hated this episode because <laughs> this episode was fucking awesome. Uh, Battle of Winterfell probably tops it um, as far as the, the, you know, just the fulfillment of it. Uh, but this, as far as like the scale and the spectacle of it and really the, like how deep they cut the knife after four episodes of fan service of, of giving us everything we wanted to then just be like, Oh, actually guess what? Uh, if you thought this was, this story had a happy ending, you weren't paying attention. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and, and it, the ending does remain to be seen and we could have, see for me, uh, you know, uh, someone taking out Daenerys and then, you know, th- bringing democracy to the, to the realm would be a super happy ending. But I know a lot of people were super upset about Daenerys because they apparently have not been paying attention to her eight seasons of character development. <sighs> Right. Uh, and, and didn't see this one coming, well, but I saw just, this it's, fucking it's, coming it's, a mile away. And you did, and you were right. And I think it could have gone either way. And it's just like could've. Occam's razor. Like, what was the tipping point? Because they've pushed her to her limit. She's lost everyone she, you know, supported her, uh, betrayed by the last few people she she trusts. And then people go, oh, where, where did this come from? This was just, this heel turn came out of nowhere. It's like, no, it didn't. <laughs> She's torched <laughs> dozens and dozens of people that weren't a physical threat to her. You know, yeah. and yeah. and she has a, at times put up a front and then Amelia Clark's so great. You can see that that front dissolve the minute no one else is watching and you realize that there really there is a dichotomy to her. And that's what makes her so great, especially because Amelia Clark had never acted before. Like a couple of commercials I think she was in prior to, to this. Um, so phenomenal credit to her. Uh, I, I the, the, just not to jump ahead, but with the moment when she turns you know, you see her face and she doesn't look enraged. She doesn't look angry. She looks terrified. You know, she's terrified because she's yeah. realizing who she always has been or what she has become. And, you know, I, I think people, they haven't studied their Shakespeare that well, or they, they've forgotten Macbeth and they've forgotten what a real Greek tragedy is. Uh, I was doing some research and there's a specific kind of tragedy that this show has always been very much about. And everybody Every major character in this in this show falls into this somewhat, and the the term is hamartia, and it is a fatal flaw in a protagonist or hero that leads to the character's downfall. Uh, Aristotle described uh, the function of hamartia in Greek tragedy as the uh, that aspect of the protagonist, or perhaps an error that the protagonist makes that sets in motion a chain of unavoidable events that change the, the protagonist's fortune. From good to bad, the hamartia can be anything from an error in judgment to an error made out of ignorance to a character flaw to a sin. The definition, the definition can also be expanded to refer to something that at first seems like the best part of a character, but which in excess leads to the flaw. We see examples of this with uh, Oedipus Rex and Romeo and Juliet. A hero with no flaws is actually quite boring, a character, and unworthy of being written about. It is indeed more difficult for the reader to relate to the protagonist with no flaws because uh, that simply isn't realistic or common in ordinary life. The presence of a flaw or error in a main character makes the fate of that character unavoidable, but also that much more tragic. Yeah. Yeah, and it it really is is an age-old character archetype. When we were talking before we went on air about how many... uh, the great television characters have, have kind of had this fatal flaw where they can't get out of their own way. You know, there, there, there's so many, uh, someone like, you know, Walter White on breaking bad is, is a great example of somebody who, you know, totally 
uh, starts to show off as this kind of, you know, super normal guy, you know, nothing particularly. Um, uh, he, he just start he starts off as a, as a very almost a humble guy, and he and you know he he finds out he has cancer, and then he decides to start cooking meth. But it really, uh, you know, the fact that he eventually makes enough money to the point where he could stop and pay all of his medical bills becomes irrelevant. Yeah, to him because it's, it's power, point, it's he, empire, right? And by the time he realizes it's too late, it's too late. He can't undo any of it. Um, he yeah. can only save a, a little bit of it. And pass it on to everyone else, and then that's that's it. He's he's done for. It's very much very Macbeth. Um, and, so, and you'd understand that that's inside him the whole time. And much like you know exactly. Daenerys, it, it's like you know, no matter the circumstances that she grew up in, that that fatal flaw was always in her. She's a fucking Targaryen. They, you know that they, they mentioned it again in this episode. You know, Targaryens are a coin flip. They could go either way. Sure, and um, but but this fatal flaw is also in Ned the same way it's as it's in John, where they can't fucking they like I can't lie. I have to tell the you know <laughs> tell Sansa, got to tell my yeah, my sister. You know, I just I can't. He can't do it. Um, yeah. and, and then of course that that betrayal ends up unraveling her even more. So I was kind of like you know today like did what 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 pushed her closer to turning mad? Was it the betrayal? Or was her mad tendencies what what predicated that betrayal, mm-hmm. at least by by you know, Varys? Um, I think so, they certainly fed into each other. But well, yeah, of course, so, yeah, absolutely. But that that's like you know all these different fatal flaws combined, right? They all hit each other in ways that you know were heartbreaking. You're like, there's only one way this can turn out. Now, there's only one way when these two mad queens go at each other, this is going to end. And it's not going to end when those bells ring calling for surrender, you know, and you can see it on, on Greg Worm's face that he's like, you know, that they've had conversations that we haven't seen between the two of them. They're like, we're oh, going in there and we're going to fucking kill the city. <laughs> that was the moment she, she, I, I guarantee you, she had a conversation with Grey Worm where she said, look, at some point we're going to, we're going to completely annihilate them at a very, you know, pr- a fairly low cost, you know, in, in terms of civilian lives. The second though they start ringing those bells and they think that they've, you know, surrendered, just like unleash hell, fucking kill as many people as you can, like kill. Well, you know, want, like some people said they didn't think she came in there with that plan ahead of time, and then she just snapped and those bells went off for whatever reason. Yeah. And I don't think that's true. I think she because every, every time. Yeah, I mean, even if they all they had to do was was have a look with each other to know they're both on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was. They definitely had that as the plan because every time that Tyrion said, "Okay, if those bells go off, you're not going to keep attacking, right?" No answer, just silence yeah. from, from John and from from Danny and and from Grey Worm. And uh, I don't well, so I don't think John knew that though. I, I I think like John was clearly you know taken aback by by this, but the brutality. I, of, I think so, but I think he knew that you know even back when you know the, the great scene when. Cersei is trying to kind of scare the shit out of Sansa during the Battle of the Blackwater. And she's like, you know why we're all in this room? You know why that guy's here with that sword, right? It's not to protect us. It's to kill us because when the city gets gets sieged, everyone gets raped. That's just what fucking yeah. happens, That's right? I think John yeah. kind of knew that and knew that like, okay, well, hopefully uh, <laughs> hopefully my queen doesn't go that far. But I think he knew yeah. his, his men were going to do whatever they fucking wanted oh, to. Oh, sure. But, but what I mean is I don't think he knew that that – gray worm intended to just fucking you know 
Oh no! Yeah, absolutely. go ape shit. You know. Well, and there's that moment where he tries to pull his men back, and Gregory Room turns, looks at him. He's like, "Oh, we're not on the same side anymore." And you see that look on his face, mm-hmm. and it isn't. It's I thought like they were going to go at it, but they just got pulled apart by the battle. But that was definitely right. like, a, "Hey, well, I'll be seeing if, you next week." <laughs> you know? Exactly. Well, and, and then Gregory Room only turns away when he sees John get attacked by another Lannister and keep fighting. Uh-huh. He's like, "Okay, we'll deal with this later. I'm not going to have to kill you right now." Uh-huh. Um, but that was, I was just like, "Oh fuck!" Things just changed so quick. <laughs> I, this, I actually wonder. If Danny told Grey Worm to take John out, and that's why Grey Worm was looking at him, but he just got it, it, the battle was too, you know, raging I, for that. To- I don't think to that to that point. So it, it's been amazing the reactions to this episode overall. How how varied they are. If you you know there was even like Battle of the of the Winterfell, people were divisive, and I was like, how can you find any fault with that? That's a, fucking perfect. Everything was perfect in that, and people are still yeah, they didn't like this or that, and this one just blew their minds. That being said, there are so many things that people have completely missed. Um, there was something our, our uh, occasional co-host, Ash Ashley, noticed and brought to my attention last night. And we'll, we'll save it for later. But I was like, holy fucking shit, you're, you're totally right. Mm-hmm. And everyone I've told it to has been like, holy shit, that's... I got to go rewatch this now. <laughs> um, yeah. But everyone, you know, the, the scene after the Battle of Winterfell, where they're like, well, where is the Lord of the Light now? It's like he, there's no sign... From this Lord, it's just this this God just vanished. Well, uh, I, I got news for you because the Lord of Light was all over this episode, actively doing shit all over it. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah. we will get to that later. Um, th- there's a bunch of other major things that I think people are just, they're, they're knee-jerking. I had a conversation with somebody on, on Facebook who I don't talk to very often. And every single criticism she had, it was just like she read it off a meme. Like no independent thought whatsoever. And I think people when it's this well done, they don't know how to feel. So they just co-opt whatever the first fucking negative meme they see about it is like, yeah, Hey, how come it wasn't like that? You know, how come Cersei didn't get a, you know, more violent death. And it's like, cause that's fucking hack bullshit writing. There's also this need, especially on Twitter. I, I noticed to find like a consensus with people, especially when it comes to like being outraged about something that's like, well, I, I see a lot of this shit like uh, about this episode and about this season about like, well, this show is just, you know, a, a bunch of hacky bullshit written to, you know, make all these all the female characters on the show seem crazy and make all these mediocre white men rise to the top. I'm like, have you been watching the same show as me? Like what Arya yeah. is like Arya is probably going to be the fucking linchpin of this entire series by, by the time it's over. Sansa might end up sitting on the fucking Iron Throne. Jon Snow is almost definitely going to die next episode. I mean, yeah, it's like, what are you people a, talking about? There was a about? woman who wrote a review for The Guardian basically saying that this season had destroyed or just trashed characters like Danny and Brienne because they, you know, now, oh, now Danny's crazy. Where did that come from? They just, they just threw away her character arc or, oh, now Brienne's sobbing. She would never do that. That's not, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? These are complex characters. It's a complex women characters with a broad range of emotions, differing levels of agency that shows their failures and their successes. Okay, if you think that that's not you know empowering to to write characters with that much depth as women, I don't know why you're watching this show. It's also like been been something, and you know we're getting, we're getting way off the thing, but I know I do want to get through the episode. But it's also like you can have a like the whole idea that like female characters can't be can't be run the gamut of different types of characters, can't be somebody who 
I mean, Daenerys is the female Walter White. I mean, she, th- this whole series has been about her breaking bed. I mean, essentially, if you really look at the way her character has played out, you know, throughout the seasons, I mean, that's a tremendous fucking character character arc. Uh, that really, when you when you go back and rewatch the series in the beginning, knowing how she's is going to end up, you know, and we don't know what's going to happen next week, but I I, <laughs> I don't really think they could do too much to redeem her character, you know, in terms of being a genocidal monster. It's like it. Th- this is such an expertly told story, and I actually I've been saying for a long time uh, for a long time now that like oh I think they're kind of diverging from where uh, George you know is going with the books, but I actually think that there's a lot of contextual evidence that this is exactly where he was going with the books and that they really did a yeah. lot to set this up from the first episode. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's, everything it's really has been incredible. teasing this idea. Just, just the idea that we almost see King's Landing get sacked and they kind of t- hint like, here's how bad it will be. And then for the whole fucking series that we have that in our head. And then it's finally like this, the show is really good at like finally, like, yes, it's going to happen and it's not going to happen like you think. And it's going to be but it will be just as fucking terrifying and awful as we've been, you know, teasing the idea that it would be. You know, when she's talking about yeah. setting cities ablaze and they talk her out of it, you know, hey, come on, you don't want to do that now. And she's like, yeah, OK, I guess so. And then the last time they say it, she just sneers like she's not mm-hmm. she's not even hiding it anymore that this is what she's really going to do. And, you know, her- I think that that was. That was their plan from the get-go. And when she gets there, that moment of fear about who she really is is also like she kind of has a doubt about whether she wants to go through with it at that point, but realizes this is she has to lead through fear because she doesn't have love. And if that means, you know, going Thanos and wiping out half of everyone in the city <laughs> to get what she wants, she finally is like, okay, I got to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I have a lot more thoughts on Daenerys. I could talk about it for three hours, but let's let's start going through the episode because I actually I made a little so notes for myself. Right though, how do you feel? Be like, how justified do you feel right now? I, I don't feel. I, I don't feel like I'm not in like a told you so mood. I think I'm actually very satisfied that the show uh, knew where it was going and it wasn't just you know trying to head fake the audience. And it it really. I just feel like it's a really satisfying narrative arc and really satisfying, like really well fleshed out character yeah. from the beginning of the I, series. I feel like and we had an unspoken bet. Like you were convinced she was going to go evil. And I was like, no, uh-huh. like I could, I didn't <laughs> want to see it, but I also didn't think that like she would just snap like that. And uh-huh. with, with the, the more betrayals in this episode, it's just kind of like, nope, she's, she's too far gone now. It's going to happen. And, and you know, the best villains in all of fiction are always the ones who have justifications for why they're doing the things they're doing. And you mentioned Thanos, but I mean, Daenerys has had, you know, tragedy after tragedy befall her. Now, when you couple that with a person who is nakedly ambitious and extremely entitled and has been propped up with this false notion of her as this fucking savior figure her entire life and how it's this, this fantasy of how she's going to come and be greeted as a liberator. I mean, it's a lot like the, the shit that people said about, you know, the war in Iraq. It's like she's going to come and be greeted as, liber- as a liberator by the people of King's Landing. And it's like, they just don't, they just want to fucking eat. They don't want to have to deal with, like, fucking constant battles and constant right. wars and shit. They don't give and, a fuck like, who sits on the throne. Been been yeah, it's been mentioned many times. Like, these were not people living in chattel slavery the way they were a Marine in, in most of mm-hmm. Essos. Right. So they just see this as as she's an invader. And, you know, it was great to see overall how quickly our heroes turned into the enemy. 
in this mm-hmm. episode. And we were worried, like, how is, you know, how is Drogon going to survive all those Scorpion fucking, you know, missile launch? You know, it's just like, pff, done. <laughs> Element of surprise, come in straight out of the sun, straight down at them. They don't have a fucking chance. The right? Heron Hall maneuver from the books. Yeah. Exactly. There's a, a, it happened famously at, at at a battle, I think, to take Harren Hall. Well, like that. That I mean, that's uh, Aegon the Conqueror. You, you he like study he flew any, in straight down from like cloud cover. Exactly. But you know, study. Um, you know, back before they had really sophisticated radar, uh, and, and you know, like whatever kind of fucking airplane technology militaries have now, they should get other shit. You know, if you wanted to surprise somebody, you put them directly, put yourself directly between the sun and them and dive straight at them. So they can't see you or they certainly can't aim well at you uh, looking into the fucking sun. And that's exactly what she does. I do feel like the, like the Drogon's dragon fire had like they, it got some, it got leveled up a little bit because it wasn't just oh, fire. Yeah. It was like fucking just explode, like whole fucking castle walls just exploding. It was, it was insane. Yeah. I was like, I can, I could see, you know, blasting the, the, the ocean, right below a ship to so the steam blows apart the ship not just sets mm-hmm. it on fire but it, it i mean by the time they were just taking down like half the red keep with one fucking blast of fire i'm like okay we're a little <laughs> doing a little bit more than just set there'd be like some shots where you'd slow it down and like the flame passes near a building and it just like the bricks start flying off of it so there was clearly like more it was more like the the, the zombie uh dragons um you know plasma torch cutter thing than it was just just fire yeah, no, for sure. So let, let, let me start uh, from the top of the episode. We'll kind of go through each of the scenes because I've I actually made a lot of notes with historical, not historical, but with with references to Danny's behavior in the past. That's kind of informed by things she does this episode that I'll, I'll sprinkle in sporadically. Um, so the opening scene, we get uh, a scene of Varys, you know, writing uh, his little scrolls that he's going to, you know, presumably put on Ravens and send off to the other houses about how John's the actual rightful heir to the Iron Throne. We don't know what else it says, but we essentially know that that's like the the the, the gist of it. And um, he, one of his his uh, his kids come in, one of his spiders, one of his spiders. Uh, and we we yeah, a lot of people didn't pick up on this, but he, he's trying to poison Danny. So like that the kid yeah. basically like she's not. <laughs> it was I I thought that was so I, weird that nobody picked up on that. Like I. Yeah, I was watching the TYT th- uh, review, and they didn't mention that for a long time. They talked about that scene for like ten minutes, and it was only at the very end mm-hmm. was like, "Oh, yeah, wasn't he trying to poison her?" And, and everyone's like, "What?" And <laughs> you know, again, the, the show is to the point where they don't have to fucking explain everything for you. But clearly, if they say uh, she, she's she's not eating, and he's like, "Okay, well, go back to the kitchen." Oh, I think they're watching me. And he's like, "You know, uh, the greater the risk, greater reward." We'll try again at dinner. It's like, try what again at dinner? Clearly, he's trying to poison her because that's the only way Varys knows how to fucking kill anybody. Well, maybe not the only way, but the only way he's going to kill that queen. Yeah. So, um, you know, so Varys, uh, he obviously was trying to poison Daenerys, but, uh, you know, a lot of people were criticizing the the writing on the show and saying like, well, well, this is such a betrayal of Varys' character because he's always so like uh, so always so, you know, sneaky and he's always so much smarter than everyone else. But like. I, I don't think I mean, dude's got like a day like he's he can't he can't be subtle anymore. I mean, he's out of moves. He's made a million chess moves in his life, but it's like he knows he's going to fucking die. Like he's 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 like doing everything he can within his limited capacity. He's not a fighter. He's not a, you know, a, a leader of men like he's just he's like trying to do whatever he can in the day or so that he knows he has 
to try to take her out before what he knows is going to happen. And again, it's like Varys is the smartest fucking dude on the show. He knew exactly how this was going to shake out. Uh, and, you know, he was trying to tell Tyrion and Tyrion, like you could tell Tyrion was really conflicted and kind of almost agreed with him. But he like he just couldn't. Tyrion, I mean, Tyrion seems like a guy who's so pot committed at this point that he was like, fuck, I don't know. You know, like right. he, he was. Well, I love that, that um, you know, Varys is also smart enough to know that he could be wrong. You know, he's uh-huh. not like, I know. Oh, yeah, right. that was great. He's like, I hope I'm wrong. I just I don't think I am at this point. And, you know, again, he is who brought, you know, originally. Well, I guess originally it was Jorah. But in, in many ways, he, um, you know, got uh, Tyrion to be the hand of uh, of the queen and for a long time advocated for for being that and turning her into a more you know moral uh, leader and believed in her for a long time. So it, it he had to see a lot of her <laughs> to finally be like, yeah, I was wrong. She's not the one. Yeah. You know? And and you um, know and he was right that she was a better option probably than Cersei. Although now you could you know disputable. But I mean now he sees oh, very. you know very. <laughs> but now he now he sees um the the kind of evolution of her and coupled with the fact that now he knows there's a much better alternative you know for as stupid as Jon Snow is he's not a cruel person he's not a a, a genocidal maniac and he's he he sees that he's somebody who who you know genuinely cares about people and doesn't care at all about power so that's why he was trying like hell to undo what he did by you know kind of helping prop Daenerys up and he's always been the guy that's you know, loyal to the realm. He doesn't, he's not loyal to any fucking king or queen. He just wants to see people, you know, get fed and people be protected and not, uh, you know, live living under this oppression because that's, that's what's informed his whole life. He's this guy who is, you know, brutally mutilated as a, as a kid. And he's always kind of stood up for the common man, common woman, because that's, you know, who he always was. And like, he's, he sure. rubs elbows with all these these nobles, but he's always kind of a man of the people. So it's really exactly he was always the anti Great Worm while trying to make himself appear as or not uh, Great Worm Littlefinger. Little he finger, was like the, yeah. the anti Littlefinger, even though trying to appear as though he was unethical and sneaky and awful. But it was all to you know essentially break the wheel for real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, you know, we get that scene uh, at the, at the opening. Then we get a scene where Varys and John are talking when John gets back in from from wherever he is, you know, out on the boats or whatever. Um, and you know, he's trying to convince John, and John, of course, is a fucking idiot and just does not see the writing on the wall and doesn't realize that after you know Cersei had Missandei's head chopped off, that that Daenerys was going to fucking you know flambe a bunch of people alive like he i i don't know i i think he also like Tyrion, was so pot committed he's like well what the fuck do you want me to do like what do you, you know i'm like hopefully things will work out and i think they all to varying degrees went into the battle with a with a sense of like well hopefully we're wrong and hopefully everything works out and i think they all had varying degrees of opinion on whether or not it would work out you know like john i think was leaning towards more towards like well you know this is a woman i love she has horrible tendencies sometimes but i think she'll do the right thing especially if we can just take this without with minimal bloodshed well kind of knew that that wasn't going to happen and he's like i hope i'm like you said he's like i hope i'm wrong but uh, it's not gonna happen right well and you know and he even says well i know you're the right one and you're gonna and he's like no nah, you know you know he's he's just trying to look for something better and john as much as he might be better 
just flat out does not want it. You know, even even if say Danny gets killed, and and John's still rightful heir, he's not going to want it, right? So it's not it's like true. just if one dies, the other one automatically goes for it. But you know, we'll, we'll see. A lot can happen in a <laughs> in an episode, obviously. Yeah. But it just, um, you know, in in right there, you get the sense that what he could have said was sort of the the final nail in the coffin for 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 him. You know, for Varys, that uh, now he's admitted his plan to the guy who can't keep his fucking yeah. mouth shut, <laughs> even if Tyrion kind of could a little bit. You know, at least yeah. wasn't going to rat him out, rat him out. Um, but Tyrion, you know, but Tyrion, I, I think Tyrion didn't have a choice. I mean, like, I, I I get what Tyrion why he did what he did. He really didn't have a choice, and like he, you know, if he didn't do that, she would have killed Tyrion and and Varys when she found out. So Tyrion was like. Look, I mean, you are committing treason. I know you're doing it for what you think are the right reasons, but I I still have to, you know. And I think Tyrion was still just hoping that he could convince Danny that she has people on her side, that she's not alone, and that and, you know, because she, it's a self fulfilling prophecy. These people all are there to support her, and they want her to succeed, and they want the realm to succeed. But Danny is so fucking driven by her lust for power that she can't deal with the fact that people, you know disagree with her about her her strategy and they and they she takes that as a sign of betrayal or the fact that they discuss you know you know a better way to 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 handle the situation it's like she just can't she she that's but yeah what are you gonna say well well i just i just still don't think it's a it's purely a lust for power it's it's a desire to be normal and to be loved and i think that because she's never had that or it hasn't lasted very long with John or with Drogo or with, you know, I mean, she almost kind of had it with Dario, but she was, she was like, nah, you're like a, you're like a seven and I'm looking for a 10. Um, that, that again has, has led to her own isolation. Uh, and the more she's felt isolated, you know, with, with Targaryens, the more they crave that, that the identity of power. Um, and the more that she's kind of just been like, that's, that's her whole fucking thing is I've got to be this thing. I've got to win. I've got to fucking do it. And it's like, well, you know, she, and she even says, well, I don't want to be queen of the ashes. Well, that uh, you fucking are now <laughs> you're, you're the queen of a lot of fucking ashes. The prophecy yeah. we saw all that time ago where we thought it was snow that, you know, winter had reached King, uh, King's Landing. It was ash. Uh, so yeah. very good, very good foreshadowing. I, I loved, uh, you know, seeing the shadow of Drogon coming over the, over the yep. city, the way that we had seen in Brand's vision so long ago, because that that stuff where it's just like that seems like such a throwaway. Like who who knows? And then they connect everything together, and you're like, nope, this was. They told you exactly what was happening. They told you this was going to fucking happen over and over and over. And that's what makes this show really fucking good. That's why the writing is really fucking good because it all leads to something. People don't want to say this is the same as Lost, where they're just throwing out the window at the end. Are idiots. I don't know what fucking shows are watching. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, after that, we get a scene where Tyrion goes and talks to Daenerys and, and he says, like, you know, you've, you've been betrayed. And she immediately goes to it was, you know, it was John. Right. And, and, and he goes, no, no, it was Harris. And then she does this fucking like, you know, connect the dots, like make it fit her fucking narrative to say, well, John betrayed me because he told Sansa and he because he knew he knew. Sansa. It's like John never agreed not to tell Sansa in that conversation with Daenerys. I mean, you could, you could say, you could make it fit your fucking narrative sure. that he betrayed you. But, but, but what she's really saying there is that 
she's not guessing wrong. She's saying sure. he's the one who who really first betrayed me. And I knew that when he did that, it wasn't just a betrayal of me, but it was his just being so fucking naive that he thought it would stay in one place after that. You know, she knew that he was going to ruin her by doing that. And and she was right. And so when he's like, well, what did John do? It was Varys who did that. And she's mm-hmm. like, no, it started with John. You know, it started with him telling me in the first place. If he really loved me, if he really, you know, uh, supported me as his queen, when he found out, he never would have told me. He would have kept that a fucking secret. At least his fucking father, Ned, could keep a fucking secret. Come on. (laughs) Really (laughs) well, actually. Took it to his fucking grave. Um, Yeah, took it to his grave and, and, you know, had a, had a, a, a more frictionful marriage because of it. I mean, he, even with his head on the chopping block, he could have been like, Jon Snow's the rightful heir to the throne and the son of Rhaegar Targaryen. No. But, yeah. um, but no, so, but you know, and again, this is like, you know, there's always, there's always kind of two sides to a good villain's story where they can kind of be seen as right. But it's also like, you know, Daenerys' whole thing has been from the beginning. It's like, well, I'm the rightful heir. It's my birthright. You know, I'm the heir to the, I'm the, the, the eldest Targaryen, you know, I'm the heir to the throne, blah, blah, blah. But, it's like you don't really give a fuck about that, do you? Because if you believed in that, then you would say, "Oh, well, I guess John has a better claim than I do, technically." So why don't it? You know, I just I think she's she's bought into herself her the mythology of Daenerys as the breaker of train break, ugh, breaker of chains and the the heir to the <laughs> she had a train one time that caravan of all the all the <laughs> she is she is the breaker of trains the loot train, um, but um she's bought into her own fucking hype and it's like even the whole kind of breaker of chains thing she's had to be talked into all of these things and it's it's not that she's a cruel person by nature but it's never been something that she just feels an overwhelming uh compulsion to to help oppressed people she just does she does everything that she she's done everything that she has done on this show in terms of major uh you know slaughter or anything like that in a quest to put herself on the iron throne. And it's like, you know, I I just, I feel like this has been there from the beginning and I've always kind of side-eyed her character and everyone's like, because Daenerys has taken on this kind of pop culture iconography, which I get, you know, I totally get that. She's like the lead female heroine of the show for so long. And then everyone's like, well, she's obviously the mother of dragons and she's going to be the queen and blah, blah, blah. And the Khaleesi. And it's like, she's not a good fucking ruler guy this is the same i i feel like I'm, i i felt like i was pulling my hair out for for eight seasons so i sure. I, I feel slightly vindicated in that well, sense I, that. I feel the same way with a lot of the criticism of cersei where i'm kind of like what's she done that was any worse <laughs> than any of the rest of these characters? oh yeah no i i agree and i thought she actually got a very uh, you know. tender send-off and a pretty sympathetic uh portrayal at the, in, yeah, in we'll, this we'll episode talk we'll talk that. about her yeah um but yeah i mean it, it's weird because you know i went back and watched the whole series very recently in the last you know month and a half and there was so many things that people were like oh what about the time cersei did that and you go back and watch it and it's like she actually didn't do that it was you know Littlefinger or joffrey who did the things that people just attribute to her um mm-hmm. and most of the things she she has done um have been reactive not proactive the couple proactive things she did that were awful are are definitely i don't think are are forgivable not even by a lot i mean the, the kid killing fucking lady 
Oh, you know, it's like God. it's not even the fucking wolf that built, built bit your kid, bitch. You know? no, she ordered she ordered that shit like on purpose. She was like, "No, you kill that fucking dog. Like you kill that wolf. Don't don't fuck yeah. around." Like, yeah, yeah, I was no, trying that, to remember. Was I was like, like "Wait, what was the name?" I was like, "Whatever happened to to Sansa's dire, dire wolf?" I'm like, "Oh, that was the first one to die. <laughs> That's yeah. right." Like they started like you know the 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 trauma that Sansa experienced began very early on in that show. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so, you know, I, and I think that's been there from the beginning. So, um, but back to the summary, uh, you know, uh, Varys uh, is, is you know, they, they, they come for Varys and he, he burns the kind of last note he was writing. Uh, I, I think it's it's heavily implied that he got a lot of those those notes off to, to the people that he wanted to get it off to. Um which I which will come into play, I think, later when we talk about predictions uh, in, in some form or another. But that's, you know, it's an interesting little little note to make. Um, but, you know, Grey Worm comes and gets him and they bring him out. Um, and he has that really kind of tender moment with with Tyrion, uh, which I, I really enjoyed because they have kind of been the two. Uh, you know, it's really the, they're kind of like the only friend each other has in a lot of ways for, for a lot of the series. Um you know, Tyrion doesn't actually get to spend a ton of time with his brother or even with Bronn, but Varys has been there like with him for a good step of his journey. And it's like he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want his friend to die and he knows his friend's doing the right thing. But he also knows that this is what he has to do. So it was a really he, uh, Peter Dinklage did a great job selling all of those emotions during that scene where he kind of grabs Varys's arm and um in the inside the episode, they point out that the actor who plays Varys actually mentioned uh, that, you know, when he, he his arm gets when Tyrion grabs his arm, Varys kind of has like a weird, like taken aback reaction. And the guy who plays Why Varys are you is touching like, me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the guy who plays Varys is like, yeah, but well, he's never been touched before. Like, so it's so at least uh, not that we've seen in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he always has his his hands hidden under that, you know, huge fucking sleeve. So it's like, he, he doesn't want to shake hands. He doesn't want to be touched. Uh, he has no interest in sex, you know, for a number of reasons. Uh, but sure. yeah, it, it's, it is a heartbreaking scene because, you know, yeah, they, they have a friendship out of a desire to make the world better, not out of, you know, familial yeah. relationship. So one of the, you know, uh, this, the show does have many friendships of uh, opportunity, but not a whole lot that are purely just platonic, like, we're friends because we're friends because we care about the same things, mm -hmm. right? A lot of them are, are forced together begrudgingly, um, you know, or, or there's a power dynamic at play and they've always kind of been on the same level. And if anything, you know, um, Varys lifted him up when he was at his lowest, when he was getting yeah. killed and executed. He's like, Hey, I'm going to ship you off in a box and you're going to fucking shit through a <laughs> hole. And I'm going to take lovingly take your poos in my in hands and fling them overboard for you. So you don't get caught. Um, but he's like, Hey, what do you know? I could turn you into like somebody who's not just a fucking, you know, boring drunk. And I can actually use your brain to make the world better, you know? So, yeah. so clearly Tyrion feels extremely conflicted about that, but he's like, look, you, you know, it's, it's, it's both of us or it's just you and my queen. Right. So they both thought they were doing the right thing. I mean, and, and, you know, that's the kind of tragedy of, of this episode and the tragedy of what Daenerys's actions have kind of wreaked upon all of the, the, the characters that we consider the good guys on this show 
is that it's forced this divide. It's where like, I don't want to see Grey Worm fucking, you know, be, be a fucking monster. I don't want to see no. all these people turn evil. Well, but remember when they had the big Lannister versus Dothraki and Drogon battle? Yeah, and they exactly. Like, oh, yeah. this is so fucked, fucked up because I'm on totally on both their sides. I want to go back and watch that battle now and be kind of like, you know, which which side am I actually on now? <laughs> Knowing that the Dothraki and, you know, they're just like rapers and pillagers and that's what they do to King's Landing. Like, who who are the good guys in this scene now? Because I don't... That's, that's, that's the interesting thing that I... That actually thoughts occurred to me. A similar thought occurred to me where I was like, you know what? What... Were the Dothraki and the Unsullied ever good? I mean, that we just liked them because they were on the side of the people that we considered the good guys, but they've always been fucking monsters. I mean, they the Dothraki are fucking like brutal savages. I mean, they fuck they're like known for their their absolute, you know, just just butchery in the field of battle. And it's like you know, it, it almost is like the show is saying, like, you know, you you rooted for these guys for so long just because they were killing people you didn't like, but that's really fucked up, and you shouldn't be rooting for anybody to kill anybody. And it's almost like the show kind of held a mirror. I felt a little like the show held a mirror up to us saying, like, look at this fucking bloodlust that you have now from this show, from this, you know, this story, because you thought these guys were on your side when really it's yeah, like you exactly. should have been saying, like, this is not the way to do it from the beginning. And it, I, I it think is the show is almost bit of kind a, of telling you that. Exactly. It is a little bit of like a, are you not entertained moment, you uh -huh. know, where it's like a week ago you were rooting uh, for uh, revenge for uh, Sade getting beheaded. And now that you actually see what the fucking revenge looks like when she said Dracarys, she wasn't kidding. And now you get to see it and you're, now you're like, oh, wait, no, maybe I'm bad for wanting that because now it's <laughs> like fucking, you know, mothers and daughters being melted together. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of Vietnam uh, parallels that I want to draw later when we start talking about certain scenes and from the from the actual battle. But I, I really think that that's something that the show wanted to kind of uh, allude to with 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 a lot of this battle. Um, but let's. Uh, so, yeah. So then, uh, you know, of course, Varys uh, gets burned. Uh, Daenerys uh, could have, you know, had somebody chop her, chop his head off, but she, you know, had to have him burned. Um, you know, and again, it's like, obviously Varys is, is dangerous to her, but she could have put him in jail. Like, she didn't have to fucking kill him. Like, I, I and I, I, I know she's beyond. What, what I think we're to understand at the end of this episode is that she's the Mad Queen once she sees Masande's head cut off. Like, this whole episode, she was the Mad Queen. She just didn't oh, yeah. have a well, reason. Well, do you notice in the 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 previously on game of thrones segment before this episode where they cut to her and just there's a shot that's not in the the actual episode or they they hold it a lot longer in the the episode recap which usually they don't do and there was a bunch of clips of different people saying different things to her overlapping all over top of on top of each other all the the people you know basically telling her to to be ruthless um you know, and and it's like all playing in her head, like she's having like a schizophrenic moment, and then she turns away, and that's all in like the episode recap. And I, I don't think they've ever done anything like that before in the show, where the episode recap mm -hmm. has stuff that's not in the actual episode to really build up where her mental state is before this episode, in a way that they they couldn't really do if it was just footage from from before, basically. Yeah. Um, I so I actually, but you know, a, a thought occurred to me while watching her her demeanor during this scene she's just so fucking cold when she executes people on the show and i thought back to all of the executions before to people like you know uh 
Randall and Dickon Tarley, which is never not going to be a funny name. Um, <laughs> Dickon. Did you learn that in Fancy oh. Lad School? <laughs> no, but um, between that or just any of the executions of the people, or, or any of the, uh, the 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 lords and marine, or, or any of the any of the situations where she's had to kill somebody, you look at her demeanor compared to the way John looked that one time where he had to execute a deserting uh, Night's uh, Night's Watch uh, troop. It's like he knew he had to do it, but he was pained, and he really tried to give the guy every out that he could before he did it. She is just so emotionless when she kills somebody on the show, and and I thought more this, about this it this time more than ever too. She just she yeah. just like barely whispers it. She just like <laughs> cars, and I, and I thought about it, and it's like, well, she could have these people's head chopped off. She could whatever. She fucking likes burning people. Like she likes it. She, the only time we ever really see her smile outside of, you know, when she's having those human moments with people. And, you know, of course, a lot of those have been taken away from her, you know, a lot of, in a lot of cases due to circumstances outside of her control. But the only other time we see her smile and it's a much different smile is when she's telling Drogon to burn people. Like when she says Dracarys, like you were saying that loot train scene where we fucking loved it the first time it happened in retrospect. She's gleefully telling her dragon to just f- burn a bunch of fucking Lannister red shirts alive. Well, and we didn't care about them because we don't know who they are, them. but yeah, she mostly targeted the merchandise and not the soldiers. She just let the soldiers get slaughtered by the, you know, the rest of them. But that's, but no, know, that's, she, that's fucking she, war. I get she that. fucking torched a lot but of she, them in that battle too, though. Yeah. But she, um, you know, I, I understand making a scene in front of a bunch of people to scare the shit out of them. So they bend the knee. Right. But there was no one else there. When she took out, uh, you know, Varys with fire. There's nobody. There was. Yeah. It was like five of her guys, and like, who, who are you trying to scare with that? You're just no, doing she it because this is your thing. <laughs> you like fucking toasting motherfuckers. <laughs> it's her. It's her fucking thing. The same way the mountain loves fucking popping people's eyes out of their socket. She loves just burning people alive. It's like her, you know, her kink, if you will. But yeah, you um, find a thing and go with it. You know, <laughs> you do you do. Um. So, uh, you know, that's the, I, I, so I, I, from that moment on the episode, I was like, fuck this fucking motherfucker, man. I was so like, I was so like, all right, I, I you know what, if I'm not right, I'm going to be so mad because she is such a fucking, like, I, I was so mad at that point watching the episode. Um, so, and yeah, and I, and I really think that that's a, a, a really interesting parallel the show draws between the way John deals with having to execute somebody versus the way Danny does. Um, and then we get that scene with John and Danny where they're kind of, you know, in her private chambers, I guess. And, um, they have, they, they kind of have this one last moment together of, of intimacy. And then John kind of pulls away, um, presumably cause he's like, no, you're my aunt. This is weird. He never really says and that, but we know it's, it's said by other people. It's implied. That yeah. It, it makes him uncomfortable. And this is the second time he's rejected her. And that's really the moment where I was like, that's it that was that was the final one that was our last attempt to try to reach out and mm-hmm. have love and he says he loves her but he doesn't show it and you yeah. can't just show love or can't just say love you got to show love right john couldn't you uh, fucking faked it till after the battle my god <laughs> oh i know <laughs> again Stupid the guy just can't not be him he, no, it is I know. his fatal flaw and she's like like john just fucking make out with her just like she's hot you know like just fucking <laughs> you know do your thing do whatever not pretend to see greed like don't don't fucking you know it's fine <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and he, he you know she says like i need you 
because you you have love and I have no love here, you know, speaking about the people. And mm-hmm. it's it, you feel like she's trying to say to him, what if we rule together? You know, you, you feel like that's what she's kind of leading to. And he's just like, you can see that he might see the benefit of that. But mm-hmm. he she says, is your am I is that all I am to you? Am I just a queen to you? And he's just like, whoop, walls up. And you can tell that, that he doesn't didn't love her like that. You know, he loves her as a queen, not as a partner. So, yeah. Or, or he, you know, he, he did certainly, but he's, he's just so like, he's a fucking Stark. He's not a Targaryen. They're not incestuous. He's, it's just not, it's not who they are. So well, it's, he's really, he's a Targaryen, but he's not been but, raised. But, no, but yeah, he's exactly. He's raised as a Stark and, and yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's just not the way of the North, it, you know? So he's just, seriously weirded out by it i guess um again one more reason you could just not have ever fucking told her (laughs) like just the guy you know he does not have he has such great foresight and understanding that you know the the night king was coming and that needed to be dealt with and has has such terrible foresight with anything involving his own personal relations um he really just is our stupid stupid son (laughs) yeah but he'd been in a noble way. So that's why we still love him because he's trying to do the right thing. He's just really fucking stupid. Um, so uh, we get the scene with where Daenerys uh, is having that conversation with Tyrion and she threatens him. Like, you know, you failed me for the last, she basically has the Darth Vader moment where she's like, you failed me for the last time, you know, next time uh, it's going to have consequences uh, essentially. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's very concerning. <laughs> Uh, it was a very it's very concerning for next week uh that that conversation they had um we next get the scene of Arya and hound riding into uh king's landing uh which was you know nice i still wish we had some more time my one big regret about this season is that we didn't just get 10 episodes like i get that there was like budgetary things and things like that but i think we could have used a little more like fleshing out of certain like i would have just loved to have seen an episode of hound and aria on the road to king's landing right but we've we've had that before right so the callbacks are callbacks they're not long extended things and that's just if you want to see more of that go back and watch when it was the first time they did it and value it even more because it's special and rare and they didn't just drag it out and add a bunch of filler in there and ruin a good thing well so i I mean it it makes it more poignant to me uh, yeah yes and no so like I, I i can see that point but i also think like the whole conversation that the and to jump ahead a little bit that the hound has with Arya right before he's about to go chase down uh his brother where he's saying they're like look you don't want to be like me like i'm my i've lived my whole life based on you know trying to get vengeance and look what it's done to me i i just think that it, it, we could have had some interesting conversations with where the characters are now versus where they were when they first were, you know, the traveling, the Hound and Arya traveling roadshow. I think, I think it would be an interesting uh, thing because those characters have been so intrinsically connected. But I, but again, it's like, you know, I, I, it, I like the brevity. These are not people that are long winded and, and want to go on and on and on. This is the last, they know this is the last moment they have together. And this is the last fucking things they're going to say to each other ever. Yeah. And it's in that moment. She's like, yeah, I, I've done this for so long but I really don't want to turn out like him because I hate him, <laughs> even though he's been my, <laughs> even though my, I love him, know, sort of. my assassin surrogate father, uh, you know, so when she calls well, so him, not, by his, 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Let, let's save that because we're not there. Right, yet, we'll, we'll save some of that. Um. So, uh, Jamie ends up getting caught. He's a prisoner again. Um. You know, th- this is something that we talked about last week, and I'll admit that we were we were pretty wrong. But, uh, and and I think I ascribed a little more nuance to that scene than than maybe the writers intended. So I guess score one for the casual watchers, where we thought Jamie was obviously just being misleading. So so Brienne didn't miss him when he was gone, but he really wanted to go there and um, you know, end up killing Cersei. But it it turned out he did revert. In, I don't want to say revert. That's because that's the way people have been criticizing it. But he, he, he. It is who he is at at his core. Is that he he is, you know, fatally attracted to his sister. Well, he didn't uh, go and, back there to go on a fucking date with her. He no, went back no. There he went he back there to die with down. her. Yeah. yeah, but it's still. I don't think he knew if he was gonna have to kill her or have no, to try to save her or or die together. He still didn't know it was gonna play out. He just knew that the shit was about to go down. And I, you know, he, he still, what he said to Brienne, it was hurtful, but it was the same misdirect he did with, with the, you know, the, uh, the, the castle where he says, I would kill everyone in there to get back to her. Well, no, mm-hmm. he wouldn't. He's obsessed with her, but he's not going to just slaughter innocent people, but he wanted that guy to think that the same way he's trying to get Brienne to think he is a hateful yeah. person. So that to, just to like get out of that scene and not have the complication of her trying to follow he still like, you know, we didn't know he didn't know what he was going to do when he saw her again. But that's I mean, that's not really the point. The point of the scene with with, you know, Tyrion is this is a goodbye. And it's probably one of the most the, the toughest goodbyes. And it doesn't start oh, that, that way. Was heartbreaking, that scene. Heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> it really fucking again, killed me. Mostly due to the acting of, you know, of uh, our, our wee lad, um, it, you know, Peter Dinklage, that he's the one that really breaks down. You know, mm-hmm. Jamie's just kind of like, oh, that's you're right. It's sad. You would have would have been fine. But it, but um, that again, it's a very short scene, but it fucking cuts you in half because, you you know, this is the last time we're never going to yeah. see these two again. Yeah. And um and ultimately, it's I, I think Jamie. The, the thing that that annoyed me about the way people talked about it as like a betrayal of Jamie's character and all this stuff is it's really not. I mean, he was really at the end of the day still trying to do the right thing, where he was trying because he knew his sister was going to get fucking absolutely demolished in battle. You know, despite uh, what, what you know what the fact that she was de- that Daenerys's troops were depleted, he still knew that Cersei stood no chance and that she was just waiting. You know, because she couldn't physically bring herself to leave I and he i don't know to if go he knows that her. because he decides to go back when he gets the you know the 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 email from sansa saying <laughs> that one of the dragons is dead and the the fleet's been destroyed and she's like oh i guess they're not going to get to execute your sister after all so i don't think he necessarily thinks that she's going to get killed or destroyed well, see, he i don't know I took that to mean that he she said, like, maybe I won't get the chance to see her executed because she figured that Daenerys would be so pissed. You'd go there and torch the Red Keep, you know, right away. So I thought he figured, I didn't like take it that way. I think I, oh, I think okay. it read the opposite to me. Yeah. Um, where it seemed like they had their chances dashed pretty severely. So I, but again, it's it's ambiguous and you can read it different ways. And I, that's what I love again about good writing is that it's open to interpretation and. Uh, if you can't look at it and, and see the different ways it can read, then 
you know, again, why are you watching the show? <laughs> why aren't you watching just a, you know, a, a, a low rent, you know, why you just, you want to watch hack writing, go watch into the badlands, you know, where it's just yeah. about fight scenes and there's no fucking story at all. <laughs> well, um, you know, the other, the other thing that occurred to me about that scene is maybe Jamie hearing that knowing that, that Cersei knows that would think like, Oh, well, Cersei's going to think that she still has, she has a chance now that Daenerys's troops are depleted. But I know like, you know, me being Jamie, but I know she still has no chance even against one, you know, healthy dragon. And these, these troops that are left over, which we find out are, you know, a lot more numerous than we thought after the battle of Winterfell, they're still going to run roughshod on these people. So I have to right. go, get my sister to well, do the right thing and to leave and flee. And, and, you know, we can live happy, sure. happy together and she'll survive with well, my child. And you know, the, that. the meme of all the, all the different means of like, well, it, 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 it turns out that uh, so-and-so kind of forgot about so-and-so, you know, and it's like, clearly they didn't, that became <laughs> yeah. a meme, you know, um, <laughs> there was one, it was like, uh, so apparently Danny forgot about Drogon and was so mad. She just flew around by herself. <laughs> it's like somebody like edited out Drogon. So it's just Danny floating in the air so looking angry. Um, but yeah, it was like, maybe Jamie just forgot about Euron until he was brought up. And he was like, Oh yeah, that bitch is begging my sister. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> and you know, who knows? But uh, yeah, we don't know what's in his head. He's not a real multifaceted thinker. He just kind of like, here's what I want. I'm, he's very single-minded. Well, um, he's the dumbest Lannister. They say it in that tent scene, and it's actually oh, true. Yeah, he's, he's kind of the yeah. Jon Snow of the Lannister family, where he's trying he to do is. the right thing a lot of the times, but he's really fucking dumb. He just makes dumb decisions. Yeah, all somebody had to say, oh, I got an email about your sister, and he's like, oh, that's right. I do have to go be there. But still, that's it's not just his sister. That's his fucking like, life partner. And yeah. whatever happens... You, you know, if shit's going down, he knows he needs to be there because it, as it turns out, uh, they're just going to die together. They came into the world yeah. together. They're going to leave the world together. And there was even people that say like, oh, it's so they they totally ruined the prophecy that, um, you know, the, the frog witch lady said. And it's like, no, he, he, she said he's going to, you know, die by a brother's hands. That's what it says, you know. And it's like literally he does lead her down there to where she dies. Yeah. Where they're trapped, and they're like literally like hugging and touching each other's faces, like she's literally he's touching her hands. neck, actually, too. Even like, which yeah. uh, I think was even subtle nod to the to the bookery or to the people who are like so, you know, uh, devoted to the prophecy. Where he was actually, he did have his hands around her, her neck, yeah. but he, it was like in a loving way, as the you know the. the... At least we got that. I mean, because honestly, if that was their whole kink was was incest, if they got down there <laughs> and knew they had like a couple minutes left. They would have fucking shagged one out one last time. Oh, oh of course. Absolutely. <laughs> what else would you do? <laughs> like, if you're going to go out, <laughs> go out fucking your go fuck out your sibling. Your twin, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, <clears throat> we get the kind of uh, really claustrophobic scene where, where the crowd's all trying to get into the, into the Red Keep before they uh, close the doors. Uh, very, very well shot. I, I really enjoyed that. It, it, it was very stressful just to watch that scene. Um, oh, yeah. See. Well, especially because a lot of scenes like that, they they don't pack people in enough where you really feel that it's that crowded mm -hmm. for safety concerns. Right. And I know that mm -hmm. with digital CGI, you can you can have people kind of close together and put, a you know, a few extra people in there that are that are CGI without letting it be known. But it, yeah, when he's got his his hand up and you're like, Oh, here's the thing he, that got him caught before. Yeah. And now they don't even pay attention to it. You know, and, and you, you read about uh, people that crushed to death at concerts where there's people mm -hmm. just push forward so much they get crushed. And you're like, that's a Pearl Jam concert. Yeah. 
yeah, six people died at that, that Pearl Jam concert. Yeah. yeah, that's scary. I was very much like, yeah, they're not really letting everyone into the Red Keep because you, you couldn't possibly fit everybody in. They just let in a few people. But now that they know they're under attack, they all want in there. Um, yeah. And then you realize, like, now it's really chaos. And those guards are, uh, you know, there's the, the mixing of the, the military and the people is when you really kind of realize, like, there's not really a way to sack a city, not kill a shitload of people, even if you didn't mean to. Yeah, because, you know, well, they're, they're all on the same level now. And, you know, ironically, and I don't want to jump ahead. We'll, we'll get to it. But they, they they do a very good job. They had a very good battle plan to sack the city with minimal casualties. And then what happens after, obviously, is what happens. But the, the, the plan was fairly sound. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that uh, shortly. So Drogon, um, you know, he learned from his mistakes uh, and from the mistakes of Rhaegal and, and you know, and the other uh, battles with 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 Euron and and he you know did that maneuver we talked about where he came down straight down from the clouds so that they didn't have enough time to kind of all triangulate on him uh, and he he torched a bunch of the boats and then he kind of flew in low to and behind them to the point where they had to really spin it. the the thing I was saying I think a couple weeks ago about why he wouldn't just fly around and come in behind them he kind of did mm-hmm. in this episode because. The more you think about it, they had to, the 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 scorpions were on the fronts of the on the bows of their ships. If right. they spun around to him, if he flew in low enough, he'd be behind their masts and shit. They're not going to fire blindly through their their no. sails and shit. And that's well, they had like all the, the sails up in this episode because they knew they're going to be shooting. But not every one of them had one of those things on it, right? But yeah. also, you know. Danny can't see from high up which one of them to do or not. And you can see that, you know, she's flying straight down out of the sun. That's old. Like we mentioned, it's an old World War One, World War Two aerial battle, battle tactic of making sure they can't target you because they're literally squinting into the sun, can't fucking see you coming. So that was yeah. the first good thing that she did because it's you know i mean keep in mind it's she's the one who's piloting the damn thing right it's yeah. not drogon uh and it's very clear has, later that she she pilots the thing very you know intentionally it's very clear later right. in the episode they have that psychic connection and even you know john could do it too but they they definitely there's a thing that sort of this this theory or this idea that the dragons by themselves are not nearly as good a pilots right and we've seen that uh-huh. where they're just kind of like oh i'm just flying along dead you know uh mm-hmm. whereas when they're being piloted by somebody that knows what the technology being used against them is better, you can be like, okay, here comes those spears out of the way, you know? Uh, and it does seem a little extreme to go from one episode where one of them's, you know, three perfect kids dead to this one. But you know, the element of surprise is a big fucking thing. You catch someone off their game in a battle and they're dead and they, there's no recovery there. Um, and we talked about some, some tactics or, you know, like coming in at night and torching those, uh, scorpions, but then you see very quickly just kind of running down the whole line of that castle wall. That's exactly what I, I was like. That's exactly what I would fucking do about that dragon. Yeah. Take them, take them all out at once. Uh, so that was a little, I don't know, fulfilling for me to see that she could actually use some aerial battle strategy and, and take those fuckers out. Cause it was such like, a like, the last episode i was like come on what are the fucking yeah, that, that was, <laughs> it was stupid it was stupid staging i mean yeah you know, whether or not but, but you know our martin even said the only time a, a a dragon was killed by a spear was in a one in a million shot mm-hmm. right so apparently this was a three in, three one in a million million. shot. <laughs> 
Yeah, so. I, I totally am fine with like the Night King having killed you know the first dragon with because he's got magic and shit. But like for right. Euron to fucking hit it three times with Scorpion was a yeah. little well, like eh, come he, on, even guys. with magic, Night King was still only one for three. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you know he even had a harder time than fucking you know eighteen hundreds thirteen hundreds Bam Margera on the front of front of his fucking pirate ship. But um, yeah. so uh, right after that, we get the scene where. Uh, the Golden Company and the uh, the Unsullied are kind of facing off, and it's the Golden Company who are the uh, greatest sellswords in all the land, have never broken a contract, have never lost a battle, uh, led by their commander, Harry Strickland, uh, who just, you know, in the pantheon of names on this show, I, I really think George R. R. Martin, like, ran out of fucking shit to call people, because Harry Strickland's the most anachronistic name, I think, on this entire fight. You have Daenerys Targaryen and, you know, Yara Greyjoy. And- oh, I thought that was the actor's name, not the character's name. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the fucking character's name is Harry Strickland. <laughs> like, Harry Strickland, my accountant from fucking, you know, from uh, Hackensack. Like, <laughs> most ridiculous hilarious. name for a fucking Game of Thrones character, but... You know, so he was too anachronistic for this world, and uh, motherfucker got torched along with the rest of his uh, his golden company. Well, it was uh, twenty thousand of them, and it only took like one fucking blast from behind before they were all just like, "Nope, dead." Yeah. <laughs> like, they all just pretty much <laughs> gave up at that point. Um, and, and that explosion too, you're like, "Whoa, wait, what happened there? There must be multiple dragons." And you're like, "Oh no, D- Drogon's just like totally leveled up his." Uh, fire ability where now everything just explodes upon impact you just exploded the fucking wall like it the, was it's insane. hundreds of feet wide yeah um so there was a, good... a yeah, yeah that, that was that was when you realize, realize like oh this is going to be no fucking problem and actually now the problem begins like we have somebody who has too much power and the, you know king's landing never had a fucking chance in the end the way we were kind of worried they would and, and so you know i and I'm and you know going into this, I carried my biases about Danny and the way I thought her character had it was going and had acted in the previous eight seasons. But the way this battle went, I was like, wow, they really actually for once, even though they've been fucking outwitted at every step, it seems like in in the fight against uh, Cersei and Euron, they they had this great battle plan where they minimized civilian casualties. I'm sure Tyrion had a lot to do with setting up this battle plan. Uh, where you just take out the soldiers, you have Drogon strategically take out the the uh, the navy and then come up from behind the walls of King's Landing so that when he blasts outwards, it only knocks the troops forward and kills them. It doesn't kill people behind the walls. I was like, this is fucking great. They found a way to mm-hmm. sack King's Landing without killing any civilians or without killing, you know, a significant number of civilians. And, um, you know, after that scene, we, we, we kind of get the... Uh, the Dothraki, you know, horde run through the city and just kill all the uh, Lannister guards and the the you know, kind of Golden Company guys that are left and whatnot. And I was like, wow, they fucking pulled it off. I was, I was, I was actually like, yeah. you know what? I, I, I I'm, I, I've been glad to have been wrong about Daenerys if, if this is how they're gonna do it. And she found a better way. But <laughs> then you realized it was only halfway through the episode. <laughs> yeah, and then I was like, this is a little early, but I, but hey, you know, maybe more shit can happen. You know, whatever. So yeah. then we get her, you know, you get her perched and then, you know, everyone starts yelling, ring the bells and she can hear them say ring the bells. And it's not out of like ring the bells. We're, we're happy to be liberated. It's out of ring the bells. We're like, fucking terrified of this. Surrender, surrender. Yeah. yeah and you please. can hear Cersei too. And you don't really know like what the mechanism is like, cause clearly she has to give the order. We don't see her give the order, but we hear that bell ring finally. 
and you go, okay, that's it. That's, you know, this was way easier. I'm actually not even sure that Cersei gave the order or that they rang the bells because all the troops surrendered. Because, you know, they they threw down their swords and then then all the townspeople. Yeah, but who would ring the bell? Who's I mean, it's not like a button you press. You know, somebody's got to give the order who shouts it down a flight of stairs and across the hallway. And then someone's got to run across the street to tell, you know, oh, the locksmith. Yeah, right. No, um, you know, she, she's not like waving a banner across the tower or anything. Like, hey, we ring the bell. So we we don't really know what the mechanism that of that is. Sure. But I, I got the sense that she had to she had to make a decision. Like it was her call that only that city surrenders on her say so. Maybe, yeah. Big Mountain maybe just had like a giant rock that he chucked at the bell and got it like swaying <laughs> back and forth. It was somebody's head. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, but then, you you know, you go to Danny and there's this moment, of course, and you don't really know what she's thinking, but you got to read her face and she looks sort of terrified and a little bit bewildered and confused. And you got to know that she knows what those bells mean. Those bells mean she's won. There's so Um, much in that moment on her face too, beyond just I've won, you know, there's, Oh my God, I've won. And now we took King's Landing without, you know, spilling much blood. And now John still has a better claim than I do. And people are still going to support him and they still fear me. And I'm never going to rule. And I like all those things, all those crazy but rational, like both crazy and rational at the same time, thoughts are flying through her head. Well, she's like, fuck it. it, it, I I just can't. Right. And we've talked about when she doesn't feel things, right? When she feels Uh dispassionate. There's the, the when she breaks up with Dario, she's like, "Yeah, I just told the you know the man I love or a man that loves me that I don't want to see him anymore, and I felt nothing." And mm-hmm. I think that like she has her moment of victory, and part of that look on her face is she's afraid of what she knows she's capable of and is, has become, and also because she doesn't feel victory, like she doesn't feel like this is the victory, and she just has to keep going further. Um, you know, the, the same way that all the, you know, after she starts a rampage, all the soldiers turn into the bad guy and they're like, oh, this is our, our, you know, free reign to just pillage and destroy, destroy everything. Um, the same thing with her. She's been flying around just blowing shit up for 10 minutes now. And now she's kind of like, she's on a, you know, what are the fucking feeding frenzy? She doesn't want to stop. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And this is, is, I think comes back to what we were saying about how she fucking like in to some degree, she likes it. She likes fucking burning people. Like she, it's something instinctual in her as a Targaryen where she just, it, it's, she just needs to burn people. Like that's, it, it's just what she, you know, does. <laughs> it's yeah. Genie know. out of the lamp kind of a thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so she goes around and proceeds to just, massacre uh you know fleeing townspeople women and children fleeing this 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 this, you know uh this weapon of mass destruction that's that's, a little bit of a transition she starts looking for troops down there starts wiping them out and then the troops get mixed with the civilians and then after a couple minutes it doesn't matter it's just anyone running anywhere (laughs) is gonna get fucking torched yeah well, yeah, so at a certain point, she was just targeting everything that moved like she she certainly at first was burning the troops. But then it was very clear, like it wasn't an accident that she was burning civilians after after a time. You know, she she fucking burned, you know, people, that, especially that one run that she had where she where they were running down where it was kind of like a shot of an oncoming shot where they were like all running down the kind of uh, street. 
uh, I think that was actually the one where Arya like was trying to help the the, the girl, you know, and the mother. Oh, there was like, a ton of them. The, the, I mean, yeah. there was there I mean, was she, so many. Was, there was one where there was a building with like a glass dome, and it was like cutting through the building, and then just kept going up the street, and it just mm-hmm. everyone, uh, you know, blasted from behind by this wall of fire. Um, but yeah, it it seems like it was just indiscriminate. Um, but we never we never see any like the Dothraki or Unsullied troops getting torched. So it was still like you could tell that she wasn't completely. Um, you know, wasn't completely Insane. random. She was, she was, she knew what she was doing. Like that's the, the you know, the people kind of took away the agency and were like, well, she was just, she had gone mad. She was crazy. And I like Mad Queens. Like it's fun because it's like, oh, well, it's symbolism, like her father. But she knows what she's doing. She's just, uh, she's, she's unleashed the dragon. And right, you know, not, she's not literally Francisco, breaking she's... the wheel. You know, this is the, the she's destroying the city, so the city has no way to recuperate on its own without her right and she's going to make people terrified of her they're going to see that every time they see that dragon from here on out if they don't haven't already fleed the city to never come back again um they're going to remember that day that that she'll murder anyone with that f- fucking thing <laughs> i wrote i wrote a note as i was watching this we all thought daenerys was the robert mcnamara of westeros but turns out she was the general curtis lemay all the whole time we just didn't know it <laughs> um which is a kind of a, a kind of a niche reference but anyone who listens to our political show i'm sure will get it um but so yeah and you know t- the reason i kept thinking of vietnam was there are a lot of shots that were really that really made me think of that in terms of like the way people act just like absolute savages during war and we get that one shot of uh you know a lot of the northmen you know participating too these people that we think of as vaguely honorable you know more so than maybe the dothraki or the unsullied but i mean really they're they're all the same they had this bloodlust and we see john uh he almost kind of has a hugh thompson moment in this episode where he sees a northman trying to rape one of the king's landing women and he actually kills the guy like he kills one of his own men he stabs him in the gut because right. he, he, he like comes upon him in an alley and he's like and he, he hesitates too but he just he does it because he like, gives him a chance and the guy reacts and then he stabs him through his stomach yeah. but yeah again it's like it how much difference did that make you know he he knows what's going on there and he's no it didn't one. but uh, absolutely but, he did. but you know he knows what's been unleashed and he knows that it's not just danny it's all of them he's the only one that's not like that or or the one who's the least like that um, but he knew if they went totally unchained, it would be like that. He knows what mm-hmm. war is like. He's, he's seen it. So, but yeah, I mean, I think it's good. We need like a visual reminder that this is the worst of war and he doesn't like it. He doesn't enjoy any of this. And, and we needed to be reminded that that's who he is, um, to, to really as be a contrast to everything else that's going on because you, you were like, okay, yeah. this is it. This is, this is full on war. This is what we've been rooting for all this time and again are you not entertained yeah <laughs> very much so i i really felt that during the scene and you know i, I made a note at that point because another thought occurred to me i mean john's always fought his battles fueled by love in some into some capacity like he's always fought you know to protect the ones he loves he's ne- he never fights and and takes up a mission out of vengeance you know and and that's contrasting to someone like daenerys and i think that that's who whose whole uh arc has been built on trying to get vengeance for 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 what's happened no, to her you could say that at every battle jamie's fought's been for love too <laughs> well that's why jamie's <laughs> a good guy in the end um, no it's true but, it's true but, not um, not throwing away his character arc i don't know why people fucking think that yeah. i don't understand the show if that's what they think 
but so i mean and i think that that's a, a theme that the the creators of the show really want to tell us about like how when you fight for love you're you're going to be honorable and you're going to be doing the right thing even if you don't succeed versus when you fight with vengeance in your heart and that's the whole theme of the the conversation aria and the hound have later and why aria decides not to follow the hound in to the to the red keep uh but i don't want to jump ahead there yet we're almost there but uh i I think that that's a theme that the show really wants to touch on a lot is this whole idea of like you know being fueled by by a love and uh, and a need to protect the ones that you love versus the need for you know vengeance or the need for raw power it's something that's just very prevalent in this episode um uh, absolutely and, and, and every theory. time you see them succeed it's because they work together every time somebody's isolated and they act alone they fail you know Varys, who even though he was the, he was in the right he acted alone and that's why he failed right um danny yeah. still has a huge army she's not acting entirely alone but her her ambition and drive is so singular that it's alienated everyone else who was left around her who wasn't dead and even sometime before that too so it it ultimately it's she she gets her victory but you know it's it you know like like the end of of uh uh, infinity war what did it cost you everything womp womp (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so you know following that scene we get the uh maybe the most hollywood moment of this of this episode uh but but it, it was fine I, I was fine with it where where Euron just you know crawls out of the fucking sea just right happens to be right where jamie is at that moment on the beach and uh of course wait, wait, he, he makes some snide like oh will you come here often or something like that <laughs> and uh we get their final showdown, which which I enjoyed. I thought that was a really well shot. Uh, it it was, especially because Jamie was so disinterested in it too. Like he, there's not, <laughs> Euron thinks there's this rivalry between them that Jamie never cared <laughs> exactly. for. It's it's like when um in in the movie Gross Point Blank when the the drunk guy played by uh, the dude from Walking Dead Abraham. is trying to keep. Yeah, Abraham from Walking Dead keeps trying to pick a fight with John Cusack, and he's like, "What do you think exists between us? There's never been an us. What do you yeah. What are you doing?" So it would have been hilarious if like that moment happened in this, where <laughs> Jamie was like, "What do you do? What do you What are you even here for?" And then Euron like pulled out some poetry, read some poetry to him. I, I just I've been told to say my words. Oh my god! <laughs> he like totally turned into a different words. person. It's like, wow, they totally lifted this scene out of gross point blank. <laughs> that would have been amazing. No, but, and, and you know, you're on at the end of the day, I think like, even though he's like, oh, I want to fuck the queen. He really just wants to be Jamie. He wants the prestige. He keeps, he, he's so obsessed with the idea that Jamie is a Kingslayer. He wants that prestige. Like he just wants to be regarded the way that oh, yeah. Jamie is He even regarded. goads him. He's like, you'd be another Kingslayer if you can kill me. And he's like, you're not a king. He's like, yes, I am. You know, he, he just wants to do anything yeah. to goad yeah. him uh into a fight because that's all people people were like why would he go try to pick a fight with jamie when he could just flee it's like because he's a fucking he's a sociopath he's like one of the few actual sociopaths in the show that doesn't he does not feel any regret he's Uh, not a deep person no he's just like i'm gonna do whatever the most fun thing to do in the moment is and if that's picking a fight while the world's burning why not you know, he yeah. knows everyone else is fighting. He wants in on it in the action. And here's here's the fucking Kingslayer right in front of him. Of course, he's going to mm-hmm. pick a fight. Yeah. So uh, we we get their fight. Uh, unfortunately, Jamie ends up getting it uh, in the side with a with a dagger, uh, you know, uh, pretty viciously, too. I think he stabs him a bunch of times and then 
Uh, it, was, it was like twice, but it was still a very long dagger. That wasn't. Or, well, or no, well, he he goes back later and stabs him further. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, but event. So obviously, we're like, oh shit, Jamie's gonna die. Uh, and well, uh, but he does to get the whole sword, and then tw- you see how much he twisted that sword. He like carved a fucking fist size hole in the middle of Euron's chest. <laughs> so oh, well, that's yo, that was the great part because you you were like, oh fuck, he's he, fucking Euron won this fucking battle. God damn it! And yeah. then Jamie kind of pops up with that last bit of strength and just plunges the fucking sword into him which was a great moment um oh, it's too bad that like euron didn't wash up in like a dinghy which wouldn't be his style to ride around a dinghy but if there had been like an anchor in in that scene and and jamie you know fucking just picked up an anchor and fucking sunk it this is like you know i never do like hacky fan theories but just if euron got killed by a fucking anchor would be so that'd be funny just cornball but you know whatever not wouldn't really but- happen that but and you know again to just show you who Euron was like he was still happy as he was dying he's like yeah well I killed Jamie Lannister like that's all he fucking cares about is 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 be being g- getting recognition and being known like that's all he fucking cares about like in the world right um, so it was he's really gotta funny. know that no one's really gonna know nobody's gonna know that he killed Jamie Lannister mm-hmm. right because the yeah. whole thing's crumbling there's chunks of the castle coming down on top of them. It's just in his own perverse mind that matters in that mm-hmm. moment for those last few seconds. Yeah. So we cut back to uh, King's Landing and, and you know, Daenerys is still uh, blowing shit up. We see a lot of wildfire going off, which was interesting for a couple reasons. Obviously, the allegorical uh, idea that those are all the wildfire caches that were hidden throughout King's Landing that uh, the Mad King had planned to burn the city with uh you know that jamie actually stopped by killing the mad king like that's what he stopped is those caches of wildfire you know we the the wildfire that cersei uses to blow up the sept she had made for that occasion like they didn't know where all the the other wildfire was hidden throughout the city so all those little caches of wildfire going off were the old ones that well uh, i didn't quite get the sense that there was that much there but also it's not the entire city burning and it's mostly above ground Right. So we do see signs that it was hidden all over the fucking place, but it's not like it's totally obliterating the city. So either there was a lot more hidden that didn't go off or, you know, well, it just been I mean, so it, long. There wasn't as it much would have been a slow to. burning fire. But I mean, if you blow up fire and all those different parts, like, I don't think he was going to blow the city up in one like like snap. But I think he was going to set the city on fire, because if you set a place like that on fire, they're not putting that fucking fire. It's going to rage all over the city. He was really delusional. He might have thought he had more than he did and just, you know, like (laughs) release the hounds, Smithers. And, you know, it's not not (laughs) quite as uh, terrifying as you're led to believe. But so there's that element of it. And then, you know, I I think that plays heavily into obviously Daenerys is kind of almost fulfilling the 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 mistakes of of her father like she like she this whole series has been about her not becoming her father and in that moment the show is telling us like look look she's no she became her father she became the mad queen Mm -hmm. she uh everything that she you know all these instincts that she fought against uh were too strong for her and she ended up fulfilling them uh all along so i you know that was just a nice little kind of easter egg but also thematic uh moment in the episode because it really didn't have much of a like you said it didn't have much of an impact on the actual destruction which i think it was was a reminder that it was there absolutely and and then you you get worried because you're like wait how much more is there to go off you know uh and you you already watch in any other episode if you saw a huge 
explosions of wildfire, you'd be like, oh shit, that's the most fucked up thing happening here. You're just kind of like, eh, <laughs> infinity, infinity plus one at this point. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And it also, I think the reason that the show didn't have the wildfire be more of a factor, like burning the city with wildfire, is because they wanted that we they wanted the audience to know, no, look, this is Daenerys's doing. Like that wildfire is going off for the reasons we kind of stated, but it's not an accident that she lit oh, some people on fire and then the wildfire lit everyone else on fire. Right, you know exactly. Well, and then you see those couple shots from Cersei's vantage point. We can look out over the whole city, and you can even see when Drogon's sitting at the edge. And where that bell tower is like you have a great uh, geographical sense of the size of the city and and the distance that, you know, the the that gate that was blown up is on the polar opposite side of King's Landing. And it's about two miles away. You know, yeah. that, and there's a million there. people between that gate and Cersei. right. Very, very dense, narrow streets. You know, this is pre cars by, you know, whoever, maybe thousands of years in the future or thousand years in the past. We don't know. Um <laughs> we inside the earth at this moment. <laughs> yeah, on the on the concave inside the planet <laughs> thing. Um with a star inside the planet, uh light in the sky. But yeah, they you first see that the the outer wall on fire. Uh and you know that all the scorpions have been blown up, right? And then every preceding shot or every following shot, like the the the, the rings of fire of like houses on fire gets closer and closer and closer like she's you know gradually moving further and further towards the the red yeah. keep and then finally about halfway through gives up and then just focuses on on the castle and you realize like that <laughs> like she's kind of just toying with the city at this point yeah. like there's no real she's plan she's kind of just like you know just hacking back and forth weeds with a machete um, not trying to really forge a path, but just, oh, there's some people, there's some people, I'm going to start slicing chunks off the castle, um, yeah. but not doing it really quick, kind of taking a little bit of time because, you know, if, if you can take out half the castle with one blow, you know, if you wanted to, you could, this could be a much shorter episode. <laughs> yeah. And we don't see Daenerys much during these scenes. And I think that's intentional not at all because it, 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 yeah, I don't think we, yeah. I mean, other than maybe like a dot of a glimpse it's like and it's almost i think to not show it almost is to show how bane how banal this whole thing is to daenerys where it's just like this is what i have to do i, I don't think feared. it's, it's and like, that i think that if you really want to show her becoming the dragon the perspective of the people you only show the dragon for for the rest of the episode you only show the consequences sure. of what she's doing if you go back to amelia clark's very expressive human face you start to be like oh this is i understand the pain she's going through and that's not what this episode is about this episode is about the violence she commits the, the just massacre she's committing so we see the faces of the of her victims and i think rightly so because to, to really feel like she's in the wrong you can't show amelia clark's face anymore because she does such a great job of humanizing the character she needs to to be seen as the dragon as the monster now yeah yeah no for sure um, and <laughs> you know, it's funny. I called Daenerys a war criminal, I think, in the preview that a cast that we did for this season because of how she burned uh, the Tarleys, even though they were surrendered prisoners. And that's a you know, war crime to execute prisoners who are unarmed and surrendered. Um, but I she, apparently I, I had no fucking idea how 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 far that would go because uh, she she really uh killed thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people this episode, uh, including, you know, I don't think it was hundreds of thousands. They, they said it was going to be tens of thousands. And I would say maybe 
you know, still when you look down there, there's a lot of smoke and a lot of rubble, but probably maybe not more than 10% of the actual cities destroyed. So uh, I would imagine I that. I mean, certainly I, I would say certainly tens of thousands and there's a million people in King's sure. Landing. So it's, and it's they even said in the episode, you know, tens of thousands of people will die. I think that's kind of like yeah. beyond that. There's not really a city left to rule if you're yeah. going, yeah. going well above and beyond the. Ten percent of the population mark. Everyone's just going to flee the city. You'd yeah. be like, "Oh, you get to rule over Detroit now. Have fun." <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, uh, you know, following that, we get this this really great uh, moment that we've alluded to a lot, where uh, Arya and Arya and, and Sandor are about to enter into the Red Keep, and and Sandor says, "No, you know, you're you're not going to. We're not going to make it. Don't come in here with me." And she's like, "No, what the fuck are you talking about? I killed the night. Like, dude." relax i i got this and he's like no look you know the only reason you're you're coming you're following me is for vengeance and like i've lived my life just trying to get to this moment where i can kill my brother she didn't say this but it's implied that you know i i've lived my life just trying to kill my brother just i've lived my life out of hatred and vengeance and look where it's gotten me like you're you're better than that you don't need to be that way well and, and Arya, that, that's the heroic pep coach version but i think also he just knows that it this is this is not an enemy she can put a dent in you know this is well it was, it was her him protecting her also yeah i mean yeah absolutely you know, but he, I, I, it's a little bit of like hey you don't want to turn out like me but also we're both going to die right now if we proceed you know he doesn't want to have to think about her and whether she's okay and safe you know, he's, that's going to distract him and he's thinking like no i really am just going to fucking kill him and die in the process probably also <laughs> But and, and I and I just love everything that's subtextual in that scene. And even when Arya, you know, as he's walking away, says Sandor to him for the first time, he he gives that like look because it's the first time she's ever actually called him Sandor. Uh, he she's always just referred to him as the Hound or Clegane or what you know. And and, and it was just it, it was a little thing, but I think if you pick up on it, it's just a really kind of beautiful little moment where she's acknowledging that like, look, yeah, we we've been at odds, but I but I you know. She she acknowledges that he he cares about her and he's one of the only people that 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 she's one of the only people that he does care about and she's saying to him like you know that I think that was her way of saying like thank you for what you've done for me even though um you know <laughs> we've we've had our moments and it's not the perfect relationship oh no not, not at all them. but it's still more emotionally fulfilling that little moment you get than fucking uh-huh. Logan. And his daughter, Wolverine and his daughter, he, he just could not fucking open up to her whatsoever. And you kind of feel like this is a little bit of that same dynamic where they're both kind of like, yeah, the, the big, tall, same gruff, type of character, and the little tiny girl, like they're both fucking murder assassin kind of the same thing going on. <laughs> but, you know, and definitely, you know, father daughter relationship. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, 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 you know, it's it's not I don't even know if it's archetypal, but it definitely felt like it should be a new archetype. The. No, I guess no. It is an archetype because you got like Leon the professional with, you know, uh, uh, Natalie Portman and that fucking French dude, you know, kind of, <laughs> you know, little girl, older dude, assassin yeah. duo kind of thing. So, but but it, it was one of the best best executed examples of that, and you know, because of the way they've built these characters up over ten years, you know, of, of show that that it really hit in that moment, and I, I really like. You know, and that set Ariana her course for the rest of of the series, which is not, you know one episode left. But uh, you know, so he parts ways with her, and uh, we we proceed to get uh, the thing that we've been waiting for, 
you know, in, in a lot of ways, it, in a lot of ways, it was a pretty fan service thing, but I fucking loved it. Like, and it, it was an earned fan service moment. Uh, oh, ever ever since the, the, the jousting um, debacle in the very first season mm-hmm. um, where, where uh, the mountain kills his own horse and then tries to kill the other fucking guy and, and uh, the hound has to jump in there and stop him basically. Um, yeah, this has been going on for a long time and it's not like a big, big focus of the show but it's always been on the back burner like you always knew for these characters yeah yeah and even before Um, that i mean so you know he he burned sandor's face that's why he looks the way he looks because he's a fucking you know maniac even before he was a zombie he was a fucking sociopathic monster like back then even uh right and and, and so much of what he was you know because so much of like the all the the awful shit we hear about the mountain was done off camera. Like he's got this whole castle devoted to torturing and killing people. And we see a little bit of that, but we never actually see the hound there uh, being a part of any of that. But we you know, see the, the repercussions, but yeah. And, and I think we always kind of wondered, well, what did, what did Kyburn really do to him? Cause he's not like a, a zombie. Cause he has independent thought. He's not like the, the white walkers. Right. But what actually is he now? Uh, and, and that was always kind of the scary thing. We didn't really know what he was. Um, and to finally see it and to see that he basically nothing can kill him <laughs> was really terrifying in that moment because realized the hound's not going to last very long. Uh, and then when you see him start doing his, his favorite fucking magic trick which is make your eyeballs disappear oh, you're like God. oh fuck 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 that was <laughs> such know? a good fucking fake out like i mean oh. it was not, not fake out but like that was such a good way like they knew the way they shot that that we were all just screaming at our tail no what the fuck no oh. and then and, you see him stab him through the head and you're like oh that's not going to do anything i already know that's not going to do a fucking yep. thing and all he did was drop him and it's still just like it's fucking michael myers He's like a buff mm-hmm. Michael Myers where it just <laughs> doesn't matter what you do. He's not going to fucking die. Even though he uh, looks like a gigantic baby without his helmet. <laughs> yeah. And then you see Clay Gain, like, you know, he barely had one eye left and the other eye is fucking toast. Like, you know, mm-hmm. just blood pouring out. And you know that this is this is the end. Like, there's he's not going to get out of this. He's not. He has no intention of getting out of this. Um, And yeah, just, just the whole fucking castle collapsing forever is kind of a little bit overdone thing because structurally you know once it starts to go it all goes but still to have the the sky open up and you see the fucking dragon just cruising over their heads beautiful visuals during that and they don't care um the the fact that you know seriously's like yeah uh you know don't don't uh don't leave me he's just kind of like eh and then uh is like hey stand by her he just splatters Kyburn. What a great fucking like, you know, just just matter of fact end to such an interesting, important character. Well, he just fucking killed by his own he, creation. He, he killed the comedian for mocking the queen when he was pit- uh-huh. taking a piss, right? So you know he can crush a skull with his hand. You know he can rip somebody's jaws off with his hand. Uh, uh-huh. And you realize that when he's fighting, um, you know, the hound, he's kind of toying with him because he could crush his skull too really easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's yeah, a tough with, motherfucker though too because once he starts punching him he's, he's he's clearly like near death but he's still not as dead as like uh, you oh, know. Oh, oh yeah but you kind of forgotten that the, the mountain can just crush a skull with his hands sure. and, and Kyburn gets his skull crushed twice <laughs> <in a row. laughs> and then fucking uh, I, I love Lena Headley Lena oh that Headley. was great um, the way she fucking <laughs> she's uh, you know just as an actor 
I think she's been underrated because Cersei has so little to do physically. She's got to do Especially almost everything with her face. Seasons, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, she's got so many different variations of a blank stare that say everything in the show. Uh, the evil, you know, to more evil, to slightly less evil, to crying. Um, but when she just kind of was just like, I'm just gonna, you know, there's that, that, that meme of Teresa May trying to dance out on the stage. Just like, you know what it had? She's like, fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah. She's like, okay, you clearly don't care about me anymore. Like he doesn't want to kill me. He doesn't want to protect me. This is, we're done here. I'm just going to go on my way. And then we get that great line to what you used as your as your uh, your screen name for this session, where where Santor's just stabbing him over and over again, he's just like fucking die, goddamn like, it! Yeah, it was just it was such a great like it, it's who he is because he's even in the most brutal battle that he's been involved in, he's still fucking funniest character on this show. It's like you know, it, it was it was a great little moment. Well, he doesn't like it either way because when he when he chops that guy in the groin with the axe and he's like, "You're shit at dying," <laughs> you know, <laughs> when somebody's uh, the opposite of that, he doesn't like that either. So it's just, it, you know, again, if they weren't going to give us any, uh, you know, Clegane bowl, that wasn't going to be both of them dying. Um, and and when he when he fucking clobbers him and goes crashing through the granite wall there, you're still kind of like, well, that only would work if the wall was already collapsing, which it basically is. Um, and you see him go tumbling hundreds of feet down into the burning roof of uh, Notre Dame, apparently. Uh, <laughs> and you know, but again, it's still like, well, if a fucking knife through the head didn't do shit to him, is is that fall going to kill him? Probably not. And if the fall doesn't kill him, he can just yeah. stand up and walk out of the fire. You know, did he actually I- kill him or not? So, I mean, you know, in terms of the laws of like that, the movie uh, that the show set up, probably not. But in terms of like the 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 language of cinema, I'm sure he's that seemed like the way he was. He dies, you know, as it was Sandor sacrificing right. himself. Right. And, and, I, and he serves no other purpose, you know, to exactly. the story. If you all fall hundreds of feet onto any hard surface, like you will splatter. Doesn't matter what if you're impervious that's, or not. That's the thing is like pop apart. I think for all the the shit about stabbing, I think if Sandor had cut his head off, he probably would have died. Or like I, you know, I don't think they would have had like him carrying his head around. You know, like not like Ned Stark zombie. <laughs> yeah, no, not like zombie Ned Stark. Uh, in in our in our fantasy. No, we get it. It's they're they're both done. But the weird the people that are like, oh, uh, you know, the Hound overcame his fear of fire. Like uh, I don't really think so because the fall definitely would have killed him, <laughs> if nothing else. So yeah. I don't think he would be burning very long. In, no, you in- knew he was gonna die, or like you know. Anyway, it's like. Yeah, it's just a fuck it. It's like the last desperate move. This is the only way I can fucking kill my brothers to kill myself at the same time. I've already lost one eye. I'm not going to win any other way, but, you know, just here we go. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so we, we we get Sandor obviously dying in that moment. Um, and then, you know, we, we, we see uh, Jamie finding Cersei and then Cersei just kind of collapses onto him because she's just completely and utterly you know, destroyed. And it, and it's amazing just all the shit that's, that's happened with her on the show uh, that you, you, you know, you feel a ton of sympathy for her in that moment. And, you know, obviously we've talked about why she's not as evil of a character. Although I think, you know, at this point she was just, you know, at this, at this point in the series, she has, kind of given up on trying to right. you know, whatever for whatever she lost the last thing that she'd held on to. She lost everything good in her life. She lost her daughter. She lost her, you know, two, uh, you know, terrible sons, one more so than the other, obviously. 
but the last thing she could hold on to was I've always been the queen here for the whole run of the show, technically for the most part. And uh, no one's ever going to take that power away from me. And then it, it slips away uh, so quickly um, that she's kind of reduced to just like, she's, she's not a queen anymore. Um, And Tom and also this, this, Horrible. He was just a little bit. And Tommen wasn't like that horrible. He was just a little bitch. No, like he, said, he, was, so. he was like the opposite of Joffrey, who, who he was so ineffective that, yeah. um, you know, he, he was going to be manipulated by everybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, again, th- this scene was validating to me because this scene is what sort of confirmed that she never put a hit order out on her brothers, that that was purely Kyburn taking the advantage there and hoping they would never come back because he knew that he was, she, they were the only two men that had any in more or had more influence over her than he did as hand of, of the queen uh, in King's Landing. And her reaction, you could say, is, is partially just, oh, there's my brother. I've always actually loved him. But that that reaction was too much for me to think that she didn't just try to kill him. <laughs> so or, I guess to, to me, yeah. Or... Maybe she forgot that she tried to kill him. <laughs> maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe so she kind of forgot to kill her brother <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> exactly. No. Yeah. Um, it, no, she clearly is not thinking that way. It's just the, o- mm-hmm. the only reason that I that I have been so steadfast against this idea that she actually put out a hit job on her brothers is because they had two very high emotion scenes where she had a chance to do both with nobody else there and she couldn't fucking bring herself to do it. She even tried to bluff mm-hmm. her way into thinking she was they making them think she was going to do it and, and even had the the mountain in on the bluff uh and still was like no, don't actually do it. Mm-hmm. Don't actually like pull your sword out a little bit, but when he walks away, you don't fucking pull that sword out. Right? And, and there's all these these kind of things that they do off camera that you that tell you who these people really are by their actions that we don't get to see. So it's not completely spelled out for us, mm. but it, it, there's no fucking way that she's going to kill her twin brother. I mean, they're going to die together. That's that's the only thing that I've ever known about those the, those two characters was that you know, they might hate each other for a while. They might love each other for a while, but they are always going to be there for each other when the end came. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it was a, it was a fitting end to those that both of their arcs and. uh you know, in the end, it, it turned out Cersei wasn't the monster of the show, uh, you know, by a long shot. Uh, we, we, we we realized who the real monster uh, was and, it, you know, she was been right under our thumb the entire time uh, and it's been building, you know, and, and they've done a lot to foreshadow it. So uh, the children of the forest. Yep. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> sort of. Uh, no, they're, but they're kind of bitches about, you know, destroying the whole world. Well, no, I mean, look, they, you know, so they, they created the, the white walkers because men was destroying the forest and they were trying to protect themselves and they didn't realize I how, know. how out Eco of terrorists always start out good and then they blow <laughs> up a dam and then people die. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, and, and actually, so, uh, and then we, we get the final shots, uh, of the episode where, where Arya is kind of coming out of all the, uh, the, the the carnage that's been that's been wreaked around her and it's, it's this 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 really incredible uh, stillness and quiet uh and and we see this 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 white uh this pale horse approach her you know kind of out of although out there's of, a whole bunch of chaos before she gets to the horse there i mean she <laughs> she's running around with the crowds fearing for her life um even when when the clagane bowl is still going on she's getting knocked to the ground the same way he's getting yeah, knocked no I, yeah that, that totally mirrors each other and this this is was was the the portion of the episode where 
you know, it looks like she gets fucking taken out a couple times and then somehow miraculously she is still alive. And it happens at least three different times. And I was kind of like, well, why do they keep showing this? What what's going on with that? She's just running around. Shit blows up. Uh, she's covered in dust and rubble. And then she gets up again. And like you said, she, you know, she finds this horse and then it's this really romantic moment, slow motion, um, you know, like uh, beautifully shot, you know, just like golden hour light coming down and, and she's mm-hmm. whispering to the horse. And I'm like, what are they trying to tell us here? Something's happening, but they're not, you know, it, there's something significant going on, but we don't know what it is. And uh, Ash, our sometimes co-host, uh, texted me and said, I'm pretty sure Arya died. And the Lord of Light brought her back. And I was like, holy fucking shit, you're right. It's the first time she gets fucking knocked out by the rubble. We see her and it's it's this one of these shots like they've shown, you know, when Jon Snow is dead. Uh, all the everyone who's ever been on a on a funeral pyre, looking straight down at their body, perfectly laying, perfectly composed. She's not sprawled all over the place. She's laying on her back, looking up, hands perfectly by her sides, and she's not breathing. Hmm. And just like when Jon Snow was brought back to life, she takes this huge gasp and opens her eyes at the same time, like she wasn't fucking breathing, like she was dead. And her whole fucking high side of her head is covered in blood. She's covered in dust, right? And and that I was like, wow, no, she was dead. Lord of Light just brought her back because who else fucking would in this case? And then there's like another big rubble collapse and the same thing happens. They don't, they don't show her in the exact same pose. Uh, and then the third time it happens, it's when she's trying to save the people, get them out in the street and run. And you can see Drogon coming in and just blast the whole street with fire. And she jumps around a corner, but the fire comes around the corner. And it's a little ambiguous until they show her get up again. And the whole wall behind her isn't just singed. It's pure black. And she's not singed whatsoever, which is not fucking possible, right? So again, mm-hmm. this is like the third resurrection, right? And it, it, you know, and at first you, you watch this, you're not going to notice any of this. You got to go back and like look for these little clues that have, you know, that the way they've have shown you, like this isn't possible. Like, like we know there is a Lord of Light that brings people back to death for a reason. We know this. We've seen it. Uh, and then she gets to that horse. And it's this amazing scene, but the horse is just soaked in blood. The horse is covered in blood, right? Well, mm-hmm. and I didn't think much of it. I thought like, well, this is trying to say something. It's, it's something is going on here. I don't know what it is. And I went back and watched it. And when halfway through the episode, when Drogon comes blasting through that gate, there's a guy on a horse and it's uh, Harry. What's his name? <laughs> Poor Harry Strickland. <laughs> yeah. And they show the him get blown name. Yeah, they get, show him get blown off the horse, and then they show just the horse in a frame by itself, with almost nothing else in the frame, get mm-hmm. flipped around, its back gets twisted, Mangled. and it looks like it breaks, and then it just lays there dead, and it doesn't move. And it's like, why would they show that one particular horse just in its own shot dying? And I'm like, holy shit, that's the same, that's the fucking horse. That's the fucking horse she finds. The horse got resurrected too. And when she rides it out, you realize it's a straight shot down the road to that gate. So that horse didn't have to walk far to get to where she was. It was a straight fucking line mm-hmm. all the way there. And it's it's like, okay, clearly, like, she is still, um, you know, meant to fulfill a, another purpose, right? And that horse was yeah. was resurrected to get her out of there. And and I, I love that Ash noticed that because I didn't fucking notice that, 
or at least I didn't notice the first part of it. And I was like, did you read that somewhere? She's like, no, I just, I fucking watched it real close and it was really obvious to me. So, uh, you know, kudos to her for, for noticing that. And I haven't heard anyone else fucking notice that. Well, I, I Googled it after we had that conversation and, and it, it's no one's really written about that. I'm sure it'll eventually end up on like the Reddit message boards, but that's, it's a really interesting, uh, read of that scene. And I think that's very, very well, you, it, you know, and then coupled with the fact that Arya killed the night king and you know a lot of people are like well is she azora high and the whole thing about the azora high prophecy is that you know azora high and the prince or princess who was promised was was brought back from the dead to fulfill uh to 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 stamp out the darkness not necessarily referring to the white walkers everyone assumed that that's what the darkness was but i mean you know the fact that she she's come back now um presumably from death and and you know she has this one final mission uh it, it might be that she was brought back by the lord of light to kill daenerys because why else would she have been you know right. protected well, so heavily in and this show doesn't explicitly say that um you know that Beric was brought back to death over and over to save uh aria, aria. But we know that because enough people were like oh that's what his mission was you mm-hmm. know and and after he fulfilled it he died right mm-hmm. um but yeah, I, 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 with as much as this show uses um, reoccurring imagery, uh, that 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 mutual resurrection of her and that horse was supposed to really clue us in, and I'm I'm sure they thought people would catch up on it or pick up on it right away, and I'm amazed that nobody else has except for our friends, <laughs> right? That and you know uh, that just as kind of to, to piggyback on that theme, another thing that's occurred to me is like she. Uh, just keeping with the theme of resurrection, she, she rides into the episode on a on a dark horse, like on a black horse or on a brown or whatever it was, and she leaves on this white horse, and that's kind of in oh, a yeah, way they were, both, they were both black horses. You can tell um, uh, in the last episode where they they kind of meet up on that snowy path. They're both like almost the same size horse, black horses actually. Sorry to and it, and it, no, yeah, no, 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 and it and it's and it's like that's that was another you know on top of the resurrection angle. There's the thematic element of like her choosing to take a different path and to 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 turn away from the the arguably evil uh, motivation of just being fueled by vengeance and hate and and you know doing things to protect the ones that you love. And now that she knows that Daenerys is who she is, she's got to try to protect uh her brother slash cousin you know john and 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 all the other people that daenerys you know stands now to 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 slaughter and i think you know we'll get into predictions for next episode but um i i think that that was a symbolic for that reason as well like on top of the element of the fact that you know the horse was presumably uh poor poor harold strickland's uh dear departed (laughs) horse uh there's also the the idea that she's now she's got a new uh, mission and she's got a new motivating uh drive like she's not just out for vengeance anymore so i mean maybe this is part of the reason why people just they if they don't pick up on these things on their own and all their cues about whether the show is good or bad is just fucking memes on reddit like of maybe that's why they're disappointed because they don't sure, catch these things on their own and go holy shit here's what that whole last uh 10 minutes of the episode was about and here's what was really happening and this is such a huge foreshadow what's going to come um that yeah i mean aria i I think is 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 gonna prove to be once again the mvp uh of the uh, of of uh westeros 
Well, and, and you know, a lot of it is people just wanting, being mad that what they wanted to happen didn't happen. And it's like, you're watching the wrong fucking show if that's what you want. Like, the show has never given you what you wanted. It's given you great fucking storytelling, layered, nuanced characters, uh, and really interesting, you know, uh, uh, journeys and transformations of characters and redemptions. But it's not there to fucking serve you as a fan. Like it's not there to just give you exactly what you want and give you the Hollywood Lord of the Rings. Sorry, Ash storybook ending uh, that you're, that you're looking for. It's there to, oh, to, to tell a good yeah. fucking story. I, I watched a couple of, uh, you know, the everything wrong with the last episode videos, you know, and I didn't watch mm-hmm. a lot of them, but I watched like, you know, the first few minutes of a few and, and there was one that was like 20 minutes long and YouTuber, very young dude, high nasally voice, just like, welcome back to my channel. Don't forget to subscribe. Here's everything I hate about the last episode of Game of Thrones, my favorite show. And <laughs> I, sh- I shit you not, in the first three minutes, he's like, here's everything I didn't like about this scene. They could have done this and it would have been so much better, you know, f- more fulfilling. For example, here's what they did in Game of the... Or here's what they did in Lord of the Rings. They, like, literally just cut to Lord of the Rings showing, like, what they did. <laughs> like, my God, dude. Like, this is not... Haven't you fucking learned? They killed off the fucking Lord of the Rings guy in the first fucking season. You didn't learn your lesson. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, was, that was actually a very... Uh, and it didn't even occur to me until you just said that, but it... Not not a not so subtle like nod to the fact that like hey this isn't fucking Lord of the Rings we're not just gonna have a, a no. bullshit Hollywood ending this the is guy like you think is gonna be this, the story is gonna be about is gonna get this, his head fucking chopped off exactly um, you know Game of Thrones is to Lord of the Rings what the Watchmen is to to you know the Marvel franchise that's not the fucking story you're telling. <laughs> um and but yeah and just people just they want the shit that they like so another person had like a big like viral tweet from this episode they're like so Arya came to king's landing just to ride a horseback without killing anyone really it's like no what her story of this this episode was so much more fucking satisfying these people it's like people watch the show with that just this bloodlust of like i want to see the character i like slaughter a bunch of people it's like no she had this amazing, one of the most amazing character moments she's ever had. That moment where she sees Sandor and she says, Sandor, you know, thank you. And and, th- and that that was like her saying so much without saying anything. And it's like, that's such a right. more, they're, they're the such people... a more impactful scene than, than exactly. her fucking killing a bunch of red shirts. Like These are the people that would have loved the, the car chase ending to the movie Seven that, that Fox wanted. You know, this big, huge fucking helicopter. Yeah. If you watch it, you, I mean, David Fincher seven is this great movie, mm-hmm. you know, fucking yeah. just the, the photography, how creepy that was. And, um, you know, how they make you imagine all the violence that you don't actually see on screen. Uh, the, the head in the box ending was controversial for the studio because there wasn't a big climax. They're just like, wait, what? That's it's just fucking sorry if you haven't seen it but it's just piper potts head in a box <laughs> like that's fucking that's not a red pit having a meltdown in a, in a fucking yeah like, what's in the box what's in the box <laughs> yeah but they originally they got them signed out of the movie morgan freeman and brad pitt and then they were like yeah we we got some notes about the ending like we need a more climactic getting and they were gonna fucking do a, a big car chase helicopter you know, fucking clusterfuck of an ending. And Brad Pitt was like, I'm going to walk off this film. I'm going to fucking, I'm going to quit if that's mm. what you want to do. Cause that wasn't what I agreed to do. And I think those are the people that really like, I want to see every big fulfilling fucking thing. And it's like, that's, you know, if you weren't fulfilled 
by seeing Arya take out the Night King. Sorry, spoilers. Um, and you really wanted to see Jon Snow kill the Night King? Like, why? Like, what What do you get out of it that's more fulfilling? Is it just your fucking masturbatory knights and shields bullshit? Because that's, yeah. that's, again, not what the show is about. And if that's what you want, there's a million other lesser shows to to jerk off to. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I, that's a great story, too. I didn't know that. And I, that that's, that's why fucking Brad Pitt is like, I, I've said this a lot about him. That dude is like just an amazing character actor trapped in like a leading man's body because like every, he, he's such an artist when it comes to like the choices he makes for roles and things like that that it, it's almost a shame that he's as good looking as he is because he, he could have this amazing yeah, career true. there's a whole ton of documentaries he's narrated where it like it's just his voice just like tranquil just talking about mm-hmm. uh, public transportation, the way that rivers flow. It's like the most Zen fucking shit. It's just mm-hmm. listening to Brad, Brad Pitt narrate stuff. I wish I, I, you know, I, it's funny because there's a whole, um, there's all these motivational, like uh, charisma vocal coaching videos on YouTube that use the game of Thrones characters as examples. Like they talk about how um, Marjorie is one of the best manipulators because she likes to get really close to people and walk next to them. And you can get way, they talk about how you can get way closer to somebody by standing next to them than you can in front of them. Our personal space boundaries are less on our signs than in front of us. Right. Whereas someone like Tywin will get right in front of you and stand above you to scare the shit out of you. Like that's just in Westeros. Exactly. Exactly. And there's just amazing videos that, and they're mostly kind of targeted toward people that work in, you know, the corporate world who don't have real, um, real charisma so they have to fake it mm-hmm. <laughs> right uh but th- there's great ones about um just like vocal tones you know how you use your voice and change the pitch and tone and cadence to tell a story in ways that get people's attention and i was like oh shit that's like uh common sense if you use your voice for your day job all day <laughs> in a lot of ways but I wonder if john still- was watching those uh last episode where he was giving that speech <laughs> We all gathered oh, yeah. here. Like when he gave that like fucking ridiculously out of character, out of voice character speech. They needed he needed to have a good coach for that, and they, no, they probably I, didn't teach. A, they probably didn't show the scene where somebody taught him how to speak <laughs> better. But um, yeah, I love it. Sure. It was just it was just funny because it was like that's not your voice, dude. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, definitely invoking Mel Gibson. Yeah, he was making up for his height because he's so he's he's just so like bummed out by everyone making fun of his height and Danny joking about his height. He's like, God damn it. The funeral pyre is taller than me. Yeah, right. Um, Yeah. So uh, that's that's where we leave the episode. Arya riding off down the road. Um, And, you know, I'm sure we have a lot of predictions about next episode. So I guess let's get to those Uh, to transition us into the predictions, though, if you want to kind of stay spoiler free uh not that it's really spoilers but I, we're gonna you know speculate on some stuff that might happen so if you don't want to have any kind of uh thoughts going into the finale then you know you can you can check out now but uh otherwise we'll be on the other side of the song which uh some of you will recognize from the uh game of thrones musical <laughs> that uh Coldplay uh put together for that 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 kind of uh comedy uh skit thing they did for red nose day uh this is actually uh a song that uh nicholas coster wildow did uh jamie lannister you know as like a tribute to cersei so i think it's a fitting song to play us into our uh, prediction since we had to say goodbye to both jamie and cersei this episode
Could you lend me a hand? Cause I've only got one. I miss my fingers like you miss your son. Are you thinking about Joffrey? Such a spirited lad. I was his uncle. I was also his dad. Around the world, my heart had to roam. Now I'm looking for something a little closer to home. So the the question is, is so funny. Is he actually a good singer that knows how to sing slightly bad on purpose, or is he Mm -hmm. just a bad singer? (laughs) I I think he's probably just not a natural singer, but he he did his best. They 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 did their best to. But but you could tell even like you know for all the shit people give Coldplay, they still can write like a catchy fucking sounding chord like. The chorus that song, I was like, oh, this is pretty catchy. You know, it's like yeah, a nice it's just melody. The Beatles. They just write a fucking Beatles. Yeah, you know, yeah, there's a exactly. movie coming out about a guy that just rips off all the Beatles songs <laughs> and somehow nobody knows that the Beatles existed for some reason. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. that somebody made that into a movie? <laughs> the Chris oh, Martin story. <laughs> yeah. No, it's um that 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 Coldplay video was fucking hilarious. It's like there's very few <laughs> you, you could see that being like an SNL sketch and being terrible. Mm-hmm. And they did a really fucking good job of of doing that. The by far the best moment is, you know, when when very few people have showed up yet, and it looks like it's going to be a dud, and it just seems absurd. And uh, you know, uh, Theon shows up, and Ramsey's already there, and it's just like this dun dun, like they zoom in on both of them, and they're like, oh hey, they just hug each other. Like, oh, that's that, you know, because of course a thing like that is so terrible. Like, what if they, what if that translated into them actually hating each other in real life? <laughs> No, very, very, then, like, funny, John, very well done. The kid Harrington shows up, and then Chris Martin's like, "Thank you, John Snow." He's like, "No, it, it's it's fine. It's just kidding." He goes, Thank <laughs> yeah. you, Snow. If if you guys haven't seen this, go watch this. It's like twelve it's minutes funny, long, yeah. long form sketch, really fucking funny. And realize that like Coldplay like are not so fucking serious; they can't make fun of themselves, which is always like you. I've always I always had the impression that they took themselves way too fucking seriously, like another Beatles copycat band like Oasis. Mm, uh, and, yeah, well, and definitely Coldplay do do not uh, take themselves that seriously. They can't yeah. joke about. And it. Oasis is more talented, I would say, than Coldplay, but they take themselves way too fucking. I mean, you know, oh, Noel Gallagher just, thinks he's the fucking messiah. Fucking, you know, you know, if you're British watching this show, why? Like, you need to kick that guy out of your country, you know, the sea. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, but that, that, funnily enough, it actually almost made like I'm never going to be like a Coldplay fan, but it made me appreciate them a little more that they could at least poke fun at themselves and weren't like super. They know that they're also kind of Absolutely. the butt of the joke, you know, it, it's, like, it's there's no better form of humor than you have to make be able to make fun of yourself. Um, it's it's why like it's almost like you have to have that as a quality. It's just like a regular actor. 
not even a comedic actor. You have to be self-deprecating to be able to kind of go out in the world and take all the abuse of social media and the way that late night comedians will make fun of you and just roll with it uh, and and be congratulatory to your peers and the people you work with. It's it's like you to be an actor, to be a good actor nowadays, like you couldn't you could never hire Marlon Brando today. Right. A guy who's just fucking lunatic or Dennis Hopper. You never get a job in Hollywood today. Like you've got to be a great actor and be like your own perfect PR person at the same time. And I think that that has a big to to a large degree why they hire people to do certain jobs like Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Heroin addiction. But uh, he just like charisma off the charts. Uh, Amelia Clark had never really acted before, but charisma off the charts. Um, Whereas someone like Brie Larson kind of cold and not personable and like zero charisma and her co-host don't her like her her co-stars the, her co-stars don't like her because she's just like she's not fun to be around and there's, there's a few videos analyzing that on youtube where it's not just they, they do a good job of kind of showing like here's how she has been very charismatic or charismatic before but other times it's like it really stands out you know especially when everyone else is so charismatic and, and chummy and I was almost afraid when I left uh, Endgame because I, I hadn't seen Captain Marvel. I also didn't see Ant-Man and the Wasp. I just kind of missed missed a good chunk of like the pre-Infinity War, uh, you know, like tertiary. We, could, we don't really need to see those necessarily, uh, although I will eventually. But I, and I was just kind of like I came out of it and I was like, am I an asshole or is she like a terrible actress? Like is she because she just seems so wooden and not like in. She had no presence in, in the world. She had no of that. empathy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I've everyone's this, quippy on that fucking team. It's like she just doesn't fit. Like, no. And it's it's fine to have a character like that. But this is a superhero. Right. And you could be like the edgy, wisecracky superhero, but you can't be the, you know, I, I'm not present in the moment. Like Dr. Manhattan. It's like Dr. Manhattan's a fucking dick. Like, you know, like, you know, he can't help it. But like nobody wants sure. to be around that fucking guy. Like, but you could you could still have that character. And the thing I've said this and not to typecast looks, but uh, there's another actress who I think could have played that role. uh, Evan Rachel Wood from um, help me out. Yeah. Well, it's like even when she's yeah, exactly. Even when she's saying nothing, she has a presence there where you just like she's she's emoting in ways that even with a blank expression, you feel something much more. So I don't know. If they just didn't, they finally like did a bad job casting one of the roles that's, for the that's, first time. That's why I was so reluctant to even say it to anyone because I was like, they've they've fucking they've batted a hundred a thousand for casting. Like, may, you know, not every movie was great. Thor: The Dark World sucked, yada yada. But almost every piece of major casting they've done has been spot on. You know, fucking especially even like unknowns like Chris Evans for uh, uh, Captain America and Chris Hemsworth for Thor. People that weren't really known before just absolutely yeah. knocked it out of the park and i was like maybe i'm just like maybe I'm, either maybe it was like uh, am i just out of touch and is this not good but then i i read more about it and everyone kind of also agreed that she was just like not even no. vision who's a fucking like a you know like a, a cyborg is more fucking fun of a character and more quippy and like i don't know uh, it, i i just i'm concerned because she's supposed to be lead well let's not get too much in that game i mean I don't, you know but, are we still reviewing it, game of thrones because i don't yeah I right don't know. We, we've done this for it's, so it, long. it's concerning because she's supposed to kind of be the de facto new leader of the avengers going forward and she's i don't just care i think blank. i think marvel 4.0 is where i just kind of go like eh, we'll see 
I'm yeah, not I mean, 22 movies in, it's like, are we really, you know, are we still going to do this, guys? I mean, that was such a great yeah. ending to the whole saga. Well, all right, whatever. Um, but anyway, so let's get into predictions of uh, the show we're actually supposed to be reviewing Game of Thrones. All right. Endgame. No, wait. What, which show? <laughs> Episode 5 of Game of Thrones season 8. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, ep- yeah. So, you know, we're, 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 we're heading into the final ever episode of Game of Thrones. We have about 80 minutes of Game of Thrones left in our lives. Uh, and a lot of you know uh, talking after the fact by 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 the two dudes that run I don't the show. I don't um, believe but, that I, I think I think eight years tops and they'll reboot it. It'll be like here's the here's the world after. Well, the, well they already have three spinoffs planned. Like and my, I know those those spinoffs will be great, but when they when they reboot the real fucking show, it's gonna be it's gonna be lit. You mean like Is pick it, up from where they ended all like it like a kind of like where are they now? Like wh- where's that universe post the events of, of yeah, the original series? We've we've predicted a lot of these actors are not gonna go on to do much bigger things. It'll be like the Mark Hamill kind of thing where it's like mm. he just couldn't quite well, to be fair, Mark Hamill was actually a really bad actor who just managed to, to yeah, pull a great I mean, performance out of is, Luke Skywalker. Is, this is Kit Harrington a really good actor, or is he just perfect for the role? You know, I don't like, know. Does he have, I, does he have actually, a lot of range? I think he would actually be a really good like rom com. Like I could see him being like a um, uh, fucks is his name that uh, plays uh, Negan uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Like where he could actually really shine in like kind of romantic comedy roles. You know, like when he does that sort of stuff on the show, he's like very good at it. Even though that's not what they have him do often. You know where where. Like, we'll I don't see. know. I'd be know. curious. I think half his charm is being young and dumb. It, it doesn't work when you're old and dumb. Maybe. So, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so, but ultimately, I mean, for now, you know, what we know concrete is that with this, this group of characters, we have 80 minutes left. So that's a lot of characters to service in, in a fairly short amount of time. Uh, and Less you know, every episode though. Huh? Oh, yeah. Less characters every episode. They're, this is they're, true. Yeah, we we cut, away. We we took a big chunk out of the uh, the main characters roster. So at least we you know we, we don't have to worry about what's happening with Cersei and Jamie anymore. We we don't really have to worry about uh, Euron. We don't have to worry about um, who else died this episode. Kyburn, the Mountain, Sandor. So you know we 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 got a resolution on a lot of characters, but uh, we still need to find out. Uh, the The biggest question is what's going to happen to Westeros? What's going to happen to the Iron Throne? You know who's going to sit on it? Is there going to be an Iron Throne? Uh, is Daenerys going to be allowed to live after the atrocities that she committed? Uh, obviously, she has you know the most powerful army in the realm you know at her disposal. Uh, and they just want a massive victory. So it's not something that somebody's going to be able to just walk in and. and no, you know. in that preview clip too, like the, the looks on the faces of the Dothraki, they're left are like, they're, they're not done. <laughs> like they don't seem like they're ready to lay down their, their arms and just chill. real, real like fascist imagery too, with the shot of her walking up behind like the big, like the yeah. mass assembled, the very like Hitler-esque the city's like, imagery. still burning and they're just like the city's in ashes. And here we are cheering. Like, what do you, mm-hmm. what, what was all this? This just looks like an army of death now. Like you, you kind of are the, <laughs> the night King's army. So, so I mean, what, you know, I have a couple predictions for how this is all going to shake out. Obviously, I don't see John and Daenerys both making it out of this alive. One of them's going to have to die, and I think it would be a real. 
so you know we always hear about the ending of the show being bittersweet i don't think it would be bittersweet for daenerys to end up ruling westeros after what she's done she's got to go and i think the bittersweet thing would be that she ends up dying because she is a character that we've you know watched her growth this whole time and you know she for a long time was somebody that we 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 rooted for so i think the bittersweet ending of the show would be that she's finally uh or not finally but she is kind of uh taken out of power because of what she's become and we see something better for westeros now what that ends up being i, don't I know, mean but... i think it's already bittersweet because she won but you know like like they say you either uh live long enough to become the villain or you die trying right so it's uh to me it already is bittersweet because she's clearly embraced her worst nature uh, but like if she, she wins in the end and kills John and kills all the people we care about, that that's pretty bitter. I don't know if that would call that bit. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it's like there's there's King's Landing. Right. And then there's the North. And I think there's going to be probably some combination of, uh, you know, maybe some attempt at taking her out. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. But, you know, the Starks belong in the North. None of the Starks want to stay in King's Landing ever. Yeah. Right. So whatever they, they're going to do there, uh, you know, I, I still am very interested to see how they wrap, you know, uh, what happens to Tormund and Ghost. Right. They just do like a flash like, oh, here's them and they're doing whatever. Or like, like clearly we've got Brandon Sansa. Those are major players still. Right. Sansa's not going to come down to King's Landing. So how do they bring everything together? Like, how do they have a perfect finale the way that. Uh, you know, the finality of uh, Breaking Bad was perfect and that it tied 12 different loose ends together flawlessly when you're like mm-hmm. just floored. That was the best finale, I think, of, of, of any show where they planned everything out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and any good show is going to be planned out, you know, well in advance. So I don't know. I don't have a lot of predictions, honestly. It could go anywhere. Uh, it clearly, you're setting Ari up to be. No, I, yeah. I, I, I concur. Arya is definitely being set up to be, you know, an assassin one last time. Like we had this. We know what green eyes she's going to be shutting or trying to we shut. Know at least. exactly, exactly. Somebody oh, said that, uh, that uh, Littlefinger actually had the the green eyes, and I was like, yeah. no, that's I I that's know, not satisfying as an no. as a you know narrative. That, and also, yeah. I mean, it's so clear that they set her up in this episode to witness firsthand more so than even John or anyone else the carnage that Danny wreaked on civilians and women and children and, and what a monster she's turned into. Arya is absolutely going to go fucking kill or try to kill Daenerys. Um, and, you know, we haven't talked about this in a while, but she hasn't used her, uh, her face swap uh, tech, you know, in the last, uh, in this season. So, I mean, there's a lot of dead bodies to choose from. Right. But I, you know, well, she knows? did ride out on a different horse without any saddle or any gear. So we don't know. I mean, obviously taking a face means either she goes all the way back to, to what is it, Bravos? Was it where she was? Was that the city or well, a different city? Or I she, think she knows how to cut them off because she took. Oh yeah, but that takes like face. exactly. You gotta you gotta fucking that takes time though, right? So sure. the question is, how much time do we have? Do we does Danny take power? We settle in, and there's kind of like a not a huge time jump, but like we kind of go, okay, here's here's life starts to rebuild. Maybe you know because we we saw in this episode there was at least a, a two to three week time jump from last episode. There could be at least that enough time um, or that much time. So, so I, my fear 
and I think it's thematically satisfying for this to happen. But but it's it's it seems almost too thematically satisfying that I don't want it to happen. Uh, is that Danny? You know, she we 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 know she's not going to be on good terms with John. Like she she thinks he betrayed her. Uh, she thinks Varys betrayed her, and you know he did, and she burned him alive. So John, uh, very likely might be <laughs> might be. Uh, executed next episode or at least attempted to be executed i mean i could very much see a situation playing out where it's 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 almost an echo of the scene from the first season where ned gets executed in king's landing yeah. and aria watching can be the exact but, same spot too yeah but aria instead of watching this time foils it uh and or you know whatever gets to dan or she gets killed in the process or something yeah something like um, i can just see that kind of playing out because that's that's we're to show how how far danny's fallen you know and like it, it, john you know ever the noble the noble one ends up just like his father slash uncle you know on the with his head on the chopping block yeah it's, it's just which awful prophecy is going to come true because Arya says she doesn't plan on going back to winterfell Right. So I don't know if she had the same or if she has the same death wish now that she did before, because, you know, mm-hmm. the hound kind of said like, hey, don't want to be like me and go out in a fucking blaze of glory for nothing. And she goes, thank you. So clearly she's recognized that something he said got to her. She might want to uh, live, but that doesn't mean she's not going to try to kill Daenerys, I think. No, I know. It's just like if she's, you know, how to say it. Um I think her her dream of taking out Cersei, you know, and and die trying if ha- if she has to and never going back to Winterfell may have been curbed by that conversation with the Hound. Oh yeah. So you know she has this scene with the horse, this resurrection scene, and she's whispering, and it's like, you know, like all these angel chords playing, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's like she, like you said, she goes from riding on a, on a black horse of death to riding out on a resurrected white horse. So there's there, they wouldn't have a scene like that to draw us our, our attention to that so much where it's slow motion and just like gorgeous and the episode light. on it too. If they if they weren't trying to tell us there was a change that happened within her in that moment mm-hmm. that she has um, something to shift inside of her, right? Where she may have a similar purpose to to avenge or uh, you know prevent further murder, whatever. But there's a different future she has and who knows maybe she ends up back with with fucking gendry and was I'm like you know what that. i'm hanging up my spurs <laughs> you were, no, maybe i will be a lady i mean i'll, you, I'll run the shit but you yeah, know <laughs> you dumb dumb lord <laughs> yeah I, I i you know i i want her to be happy as it like I, she's a character more so than anyone else that i really want to see happy at the end of this so i mean if that if that becomes that she does help save the day and 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 you know take daenerys out of power and then goes off to the Riverlands to be with Gendry uh, at Gendry. That would be, you know, a, a nice end for her, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, or, I think or at least some place to kind of hang out for a while and just have a base and not totally, you know, go down with the, the, the collapsing castle of, of King's Landing. But yeah, it, it's kind of like she, she's been so defined by her, list by her quest for revenge that mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine her any other way you know but obviously that scene with the hound was designed to let her know there can be a different future for her 
right? Yeah. And, and I think that's what we all want. We all want desperately to feel like, at least for some of these people we care about a lot, that there's a future beyond what we see. If everyone dies and there's no hope left, what did we do all this for? We need yeah. to feel, like John says in that eulogy speech, that we have a history that lives beyond our own knowledge, that other people remember us, that we have, you know, uh, statues chiseled of us that we get to go take a look at <laughs> and wonder why they're in the crypt if we're not dead yet. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess that's not my prediction, just my fucking cross fingers, hope against hope that uh, some of our favorite people make it out of this and we get at least a glimpse, at least a tiny glimpse of an epilogue of a future where there's some happiness, at least for a few years before they reboot the series and we get to see it all over again when they're 10 years older. Yeah. And I, and I really want that. That's what I want for the series most of all. And, you know, I'll, I'll be satisfied as long as it's a good, well, well-told story and it, and it makes sense with what they've told us so far. And that's, Kind of the beauty of it is, is that it's set up to do a lot. They could go in any direction. But what I really want to see is that, you know, maybe Arya ends up killing Daenerys because I think she's irredeemable at this point as a, as a person. Like, she's never just going to go back to being like, well, yeah, you know, maybe I will be benevolent. Like, no, you, you, you fucking passed that point. Like, you no, you're 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 a war criminal now. You're you're a monster. So uh, unfortunately, you know, for circumstances that were in some in some sense you know not your fault in other sense it was your fault but for whatever reason you're now in a position where i think you're an irredeemable leader you can't you're you can't be uh trusted to lead so sure and and she's probably you know we haven't seen her face for a while now so what's this what has this done to her now mm. that she thinks that well i won because i slaughtered all these innocent people not just hey i won and i did a bad thing afterwards but here I am, I'm on the throne. Here's all my troops cheering me. You know, it really, like, really is a fucking, you know, Anakin Skywalker turning into Darth. Very Vader much, yeah. yeah. And that's the beauty of of this this arc being so well told that I think people are just totally fucking missing the point. Is like, this is what they were trying to do with Anakin, and and I don't think it really worked because the, the actor they chose. It's like you're supposed to feel that this is a tragic story about someone that you loved at the start of the series, like you know. The whole thing with with Star Wars is that Anakin, I mean, you know, we obviously knew who he became, but it was like you wanted to really uh, care for and love that character at the beginning. And then it was supposed to show his uh, the, the series of events that of, of horrible things that happened to him that made him the way he was, but eventually right. turned him so like evil. But so that did was Shakespeare ever write a prequel. No, because <laughs> he knows a tragedy only works in chronological order. If you, you don't tell people the, what's going to happen. End, yeah, exactly. You can't be like, oh, there's, there's this evil guy. does all this evil shit. Uh, and then he uh, redeems himself at the last minute. You realize he was good all along. And then let's have the sequel actually take place before that, where we show how he's good for most of it and then turns into the evil person. Like exactly. that's just it's fucking, it, it's, it's not, a, it's not the way our brains work, right? Like we have to feel betrayed to feel the tragedy. And I think people do feel that betrayal like this Very is, much. you know, not what they wanted. But that's the point. The point is to make you fucking pissed off at what happened because what happened is bad. What happened is wrong. What happened was unavoidable. That is what a fucking tragedy is. That is mm -hmm. the fatal flaw. Um, you know, the the homateria, you know, uh, it's it's unavoidable 
because it's in their DNA and they can't change it. And they, when they realize it and they embrace it, it's like, okay, I, you know, here's my origin story. Now I'm this fucking supervillain. And, and, you know, really it's one of the best executed and most surprising in some ways, uh, uh, tragic arc that we've seen in, in all of television and movies. I mean, obviously, you know, breaking bad the name of the fucking show is breaking bad you know at the end of the day this is probably not going to end up good for walter white like he's, he's going to end up as as the villain of the sort of the story uh like you said with 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 star wars you're almost starting out with a spoiler where it's like well we know he's going to be bad we know he's going to survive so what the fuck is the stake of this what are the stakes of this prequel if we know that this character is going to survive this character none. is going to die Qui-Gon Jinn because he's not involved exactly. like this you know it's like we know all the stakes, so it's like there's no there's no narrative drama. When you build up this this love for a character, you know, uh, who's a very flawed but ultimately uh, uh, at the start of the story is a good person, and you see just these horrible things happening to her and her reaction to them, you know, funneled through the perspective of her her uh, nurture, her upbringing, and her you know what's in her blood also. And then you see the way that it slowly just poisons her mind and, and poisons her her to the point where she's does what she does and becomes who she becomes. It's like that's the fucking tragedy is like this character that we that we knew had these tendencies, but we hoped for the best for, uh, you know, d- ends up right. going towards she, the dark. She was capable of both. Absolutely. And we just kept, you know, being like, OK, this is one yeah. more thing that's pushing her toward the dark side. One more thing. And then it was just this whole dread, the whole series this impending, like, right. What's going to happen with her? And the, I mean, the, the, what's, what's the title of the overall series, the song of ice and fire, or is that just the title? Right. And we know that kind of deep down, which character is ice and which character is fire. So maybe all this is just a setup for, you know, John's got his army. Danny's got her army. And they they fucking cliffhanger us with the finale and we don't get to see what happens. And then finally, the entire fandom is fucking pissed. <laughs> All of us will be pissed. We're you and I will cunt. be pissed. I'll be fucking pissed if they if they don't show the fucking resolution of a it, battle. Yeah. yeah, they not even. Yeah, I mean, not even that. Just that. But like they just both, you know. They're like, well, fuck you, fuck you, no, fuck you, and then it's just like, win and win and win and win and. But then you know they're gonna come back with a fucking sequel yeah. series. Then you know we're gonna fucking five years to eight years later, they're all gonna like try to have a solo career and they're not gonna get it. And then they're all gonna come back and we'll be like, all right, here I am, fucking ready. I would be totally satisfied with that if they announce at the end that they're gonna like five years from now we're gonna come back and pick back up on this story, you know, to see the. To- like if if we get John go retreating to the north with with uh you know the, the the house is loyal to them, and and you know and and he takes back up the mantle of the king in the north. Although I still want Sansa to rule Winterfell, but like what you know, however you end up doing it, and then you know Daenerys and her troops are there, and then it's like, what do we you know? It, <laughs> we'll we'll pick this back up in five years after the the kind of detente is maybe pulled off. Yeah. I'd be okay with that, but. I, I don't think that's you know, what's gonna happen. I don't think that's we. That's I think we were either. we were confident that Yara was gonna show up with um, you know whatever's left of the 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 independent uh, Republic of the Iron Isles apparently because you know all she had to do was ask apparently yeah <laughs> to get permission to be free uh, you know shows up and was like you know just I'm shocked at what you've to you know turned yourself into now and then Danny feels guilty and then just goes you're right 
it was all for nothing. Just like throws a crown down, fucking just feels feels terrible. I don't see that coming. I, was say, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that'll happen. But <laughs> no. So and you know, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of people that we haven't seen and heard from. Like I don't think we've heard the last of Sansa. I don't think we've heard the last of Yara. I don't think we've heard the last of Brienne. Like so, there's definitely more either more Winterfell to come. I like I don't think they would leave Winterfell to come to King's Landing after all that shit. So I mean, I no. think there's more Winterfell. Yeah, to come. she she's always said Sansa that she'd never go back there no matter what. It was just yeah. like she belongs in the north, does never want to go back there, never want to go there in the fucking first place cuz why the fuck would you? Mm. Um other than to be a, a pretty princess uh and then you know, you saw how that well that turned out. Um but yeah, they're going to have to have some time jumps cuz even even you know, it's a thousand miles away. It takes at least a month to walk there. Mm. So they're going to have to either just never leave King's Landing and they fucking have some even greater tragedy, um, you know, and really twist the knife or we do get some kind of resolution. And then we get like the last, I would hope more than 10 minutes, you know, a real resolution to a series you need a bit longer. Um, not too long though, because you know, end games, end game, end game, End game. You don't want to be Lord of the Rings. We have fifteen different right. endings. Sorry, <laughs> and, Ash. And, and, and uh, Marvel Endgame kind of, or you know, kind of uh, did that a little bit. Where I was like, okay, bit. this seems this is like the epilogue to the epilogue to the epilogue, and it's been ten minutes now with this. So, uh, not not all of us binge all the movies all at once, where they need to see all that. I don't know. It's just it's such a weird series to think that it's ending, and they've got to wrap it up. And I don't even know, like, I've been happy with all of this. I think this has been the best fucking season. And to people that are like, oh, it's too fast. They should have done everything, but they should have slowed it down more. You know, like, no, we've done that slow pacing. It's time to fucking end it. And that's what's going to make all these scenes read that much more powerful when you go back and go, oh, this was the final time that we were going to get this. Oh, here's just another level of of what was really going on with the Lord of the Light and Arya and this fucking horse. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to go back and analyze it more. Um, a show that never ends where the arcs never end, you lose interest. It turns into The Walking Dead. Right. Yeah. So I think we've gotten more than our fair share of amazing scenes that we can go back and watch over and fucking over and over and over. I don't know how they can end this show uh, in a way that's going to please more than like the Uber fans like us that think it is really some of the best writing and acting and, and direction on TV. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, you know, it, it's, I, I, I just think, you know, it, there's people are going to hate it. And you know, there's people who are already like this show is ruined. These people don't know how the story is being told. These people have ruined the series forever. They've ruined the potential of the future game of Thrones franchise going forward. And I think that's like preposterous, but I think this is going to be a, a season finale. I mean, you know, and again, it, they could totally shit the bed. I can't imagine that happening, but I, I think this, this last season is going to be something people look back on uh, with a lot more fondness than maybe the, hyper reactive you know group think initial reaction to all of these things oh yeah you know like yeah the the show has really been respectful of their fans and that it's given them a story that i think is better than a general audience is is uh capable of processing in a way where they appreciate it um because it's like again they don't say oh hey uh you know various say the little spider like hey uh, later on uh, try to poison the queen again (laughs) like they don't no, it's just we'll, we'll try again later. Go back to the kitchen. 
and yeah. you are they respect the audience to be smart enough to know what that means but some people didn't fucking notice that didn't even pick up on that and yeah. i think there's there's so many other things like that where people just you know it, it's like the first blade runner and the second blade runner were at the time that first came out in 1982 nobody understood that movie you know nobody was like what what is this and it turned into a cult hit and they made a second one that was better than the first. People still were like, I don't get it. And it's like, are you kidding? There's so many other fucking themes that you didn't catch and pick up on here because they, they gave so much credit to the audience to be able to tell. Right. And, and I think that this is definitely Game of Thrones, the biggest show in the world for a reason. But I, I, I do think the writers um, were writing on a higher level that people just did not pick up on and were not trained how to interpret things in a way you know, as, as a society, at least in this country where we go, Oh, that was really interesting. I didn't understand it. I'm going to go seek out knowledge. They go, Oh, I'm going to go on, on fucking Reddit, look at memes. And the first one I see that's, that's, you know, got enough likes on it is the one that I cling to as the, the accurate thing here. And all the people are like, like Oh, did, did brand. Yeah. Yeah. They, they posted pictures of the white horse and like, Oh, look, brand sent an Uber to Aria. And it's like, fucking did, did Uber pay for that meme to be shared all over the fucking internet? It's like, no, morons. It wasn't Brian. He had nothing to do with it. It was the fucking Lord of Light. Think a little harder. <laughs> Who do we, you know, Bran can't resurrect people or horses. He can, you know, take them over. But yeah, it, it's just, it's disappointing that we get the, the best of the best. And it's so good that it seems like a majority of the public is just like, I don't get it. This is dumb. This is bad writing. I don't, it's not what I thought it would be. Danny was never this mean before. They just did this to be exploitive and, and throw away character development. Like, no, that's or, not what happened. Or as a, a, I'm sure you saw our favorite person, Candace Eiston tweeted, uh, uh, she had like a fucking you know it is meltdown may so she she joined in the fun by having an absolute <laughs> meltdown about the, the, that episode she tweet i actually have her tweets it's really funny um i'm literally crying right now because a decade of my life has been wasted on a show ultimately guided by the white male viewpoint i'm so fucking mad right now game of thrones has been a waste of my life gotta be white guys that ultimately save the day after years of women killing it fuck you fuck you fuck you Women ultimately can't be trusted. Talking about. Let me find out the writers are Trump supporters or Bernie supporters. Okay, I just ate a whole pizza because I was so fucking mad at this episode. (laughs) I think she thinks she's being funny and doesn't realize that just reads as genuine fucking diaper filling hysteria. Yeah, no, she sounds like Laura Loomer, but whatever. I mean, she's Laura Loomer of the left, of the, well, of the center, whatever you want to call it. Of of the center, yeah. That makes sense. And it's so weird because she's such like a fucking centrist and she lives in Portland, Oregon. And like nobody there is a fucking centrist. Like no, no, no person on Twitter in Portland, Oregon is a fucking centrist. Um, Yeah, I I mean, the the world's been taken over by white male views on Game of the Thrones. Uh, Pardon me? Who, Who the fuck killed the Night King? How many fucking, you know, loser incel bros were furious that Jon Snow didn't get mm-hmm. to take that one? Like, what, What again, what show did she think she was watching all these years? Yeah, well, but, but you know, she's not a deep thinker. We, we know this from her political analysis, so obviously she's not somebody that 
understands the nuance of storytelling and, and just thought that, you know, Yas Queen Daenerys is is going to take what's rightfully hers by fire and blood. And this is why I've been fucking calling Daenerys, and you could attest to this, but I'm sure people even as far back as five years ago will attest to the fact that I've been calling Daenerys Hillary Clinton to Bernie's to Jon Snow's Bernie Sanders, you know, since 2015. Like, that's just, you know, and I've been calling her that type of part. Like, I've been saying Daenerys is that type of character for years. She's like she just th- th- this that character has always operated with this sense of like I am entitled to power. I'm going to get it by any means necessary. I will do it. I will don whatever cloak suits me. If it's the breaker of train, breaker of chains. I keep saying breaker of trains. I can't fucking help it. <laughs> <laughs> um, if it's the breaker of chains, if it's you know the liberator of all these people, if I have to be their savior, that's so be it. But ultimately, it's all in service of me getting power. And if I don't get power, I'm gonna have a fucking meltdown and blame Russia and or you know burn every fucking man, woman, and child in my in my purview. Like that's sure. Well, it, so, and it's like, you know, Cersei was unethical, but was she torching the city to fucking burn people alive? No. No. Yeah. I mean, Cersei's not like as she, she was the, she was the, Cersei was neutral evil. Uh, and, and Danny went from being chaotic good to being chaotic evil uh, on a pretty, you know, quick flip of the switch, which of course, again, there's people like people don't like that because they didn't see it coming. And, and I, you know, saw it coming because the show was trying to foreshadow it over and over and over i still saw the good in her didn't want to believe it but you know i thought she was the chosen one and it turned out that that wasn't the case so um i i feel like amelia clark the actor uh didn't like this turn there was a couple interviews where she kind of like alludes to the fact that you know she didn't want this to be where the character goes but like you have to understand that when, when you're invested in a fucking character for month after month after month per year for 10 years. Like, of course you want your character to be good. Every actor, even if they're an evil character internally thinks, here's why my characters thinks they're doing the right thing. You know, you have to, in order to sell the performance as being, as being real and, and being the kind of villain that people go, Oh yeah, I can totally fucking see how that person ended up that. Yeah. In that place. It's a lot like it's a lot like Mark Hamill. Like he very publicly was like, I'm not crazy about the direction that, you know, Ryan took my character in in The Last Jedi. But at the end of the day, you know, I watched the movie and I realized that that was a really well told story. And, you know, like he's he's right. You know, he's entitled to that opinion, but he was wrong. I mean, it was a perfect it was the perfect uh, arc for the character of Luke Skywalker. And like when you live with a character for years and years and you that's that's becomes a part of you i mean there's you know i i just know as a writer like i when you live with a story for so long and you live with these characters in your head when you kill one off it's like losing a family member like it really is like and sure, i can't even absolutely. imagine for an actor if, whose whole life if you're a good actor though your job is not to say oh this turn for the character was wrong your job sure. is to to figure out why that turn for the character happened in your own brain because you're the you're the person that fills in all the lines, all the internal dialogue that aren't there in the script. And if you're a good fucking actor, you can do it. It doesn't matter where you end up. And people have written about Amelia Clark, her performance, especially in this last episode, just her face, how she sells this transition as not being something that was, you know, out of nowhere, but it's like you you want to see a reaction on her face that we've never quite seen before. Um 
you know, uh, the, the fucking Walking Dead guy, um, um, Andrew Lincoln was very good mm-hmm. at that, where you would think that like you've seen every version of crazy he can get mm-hmm. to. And then you would see like just a new facial tick on him. And you were like, oh, wait, we've never seen that exact yeah. expression before. And that's hard to do because most people don't they can't invent a new facial reaction. Like you, you have certain pantomimes. You only have so many of them. Um, so I guarantee she did a lot of work to come up with just a couple different looks on her face that were, you know, let us know we're about to see something that we've never seen before. We're about to see a different side of this person that's that's far more extreme, and it's going to be mass murder from here on out. And so, it's all, and it's also incredible to consider the fact that she was sitting on the back of like a big fucking like sawhorse and like with a green screen behind her, and she still managed to convey all of that emote. Like you know, it, it's it's so much harder, probably I would imagine, as an actor or actress, oh. to emote against nothing than to actually emote when you're immersed in a scene where you're I mean, opposite your you know acting partner. We've all seen the Star Wars prequels. We know how bad it can be. <laughs> <laughs> so very much so uh, yeah i think again that's where good direction comes in where the director has to have some very deep psychological co- you know conversations with that actor to get them to that place it's not just the actor alone you know uh the director needs to be able to to let the actor know like this is what we're going for you know here's the overall tone you design the character Right. You you do the reactions, but here's the the effect we want it to have on the audience. We want them to be devastated right now or we want them to be unsure right now or we want them to be elated right now. Like that's the job of the director to tell the actor how much, how little, more, less, whatever. And, you know, to his credit, Miguel Sapochnik, who directed this episode, absolutely MVP, you know, maybe the subtle MVP of the Game of Thrones series, you know, as a whole, this guy directed, he came on late in the run, he directed Hard Home, I think was his first episode, incredible, you know, out of nowhere insanity in, in that episode where, you know, the White Walkers attack John and the Wildlings. Uh, he directed the last two episodes of season six, which was the... um um uh, what uh battle of the bastards and the winds of winter two of the best episodes the series has ever produced you know winds of winter tremendous fucking episode and you know he so it's like he's amazing bat oh, and then this season he directed uh the uh long night you know that which was the battle of winterfell incredible episode that we fucking loved and he directed this episode and it's like he's he's an amazing uh director for battles but he's also just an amazing director for for conveying emotion and small moments within these this grand scale oh the pacing yeah like you can't have mad max fury road where it's non-stop action without having a few cool down moments otherwise you just go numb right we've talked about this many times but you know you know sort of a, a side comparison david fincher is known for all this really dark fucking violent bullshit well uh, if you watch um mine hunters there's only one single scene of violence in the very first intro scene. Everything else is these long, very, very, very yeah. prolonged uh, dialogue scenes where people are talking about violence, but you never actually see it. Right. And, and I even had somebody tell me like, oh, mine was so fucking violent. I'm like, name one violent scene besides the intro. They're like, uh, when the all the serial killers were killing all those people. And I'm like, they never showed that. They just had inter- long, inter- you know, 25 minute long interview scene where they talk about it without cutting away to a different scene. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of directors that know pacing and 
and action and suspense really know how to, you know, punctuate that with scenes where there's prolonged suspense through no action. It's the anticipation of, of violent action that, uh, makes the audience really just kind of like, okay, we know it's coming. We know it's coming. When the fuck is it coming? Yeah. And I can't wait to see what that guy ends up doing after this. I hope he gets, you know, to do whatever movie or whatever show, like maybe give him his own show to run like that. <laughs> He'll do happy feet three. <laughs> Probably <laughs> like, yeah. like George Miller. I'm taking over for you, buddy. <laughs> God damn. All right. Well, um, so, you know, we're, we're coming in the three hour mark. So I think we, we're probably pretty much done for this episode. I, I think we, have a lot of thoughts about what could happen but the beautiful thing is that we don't know what's going to happen and that's why the show is so good uh it's not predictable. and we're fine with whatever happens happy. yeah as long as it fits these characters which they've never not done and if you think this show hasn't been true to the characters uh, you know I, i'm just not yeah. paying attention i mean <laughs> what show are you watching what yeah. the fuck are you paying attention to because the show has never strayed away from who these characters are they can change in some ways and still be who they always were and you know still love somebody i mean fucking oh jamie threw they threw away all jamie lannister's character development because he went back to cersei like you've never fucking texted an ex before please <laughs> come on bunch of fucking choir boys in our audience or in the uh, game of thrones audience like come on i honestly think that some of the 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 haters of the show just don't understand human nature like look at your own life look at all the things you've done is is your character development of your life being thrown away because you make a mistake no these are complex people that make mistakes they have failures and they have successes there's no there's no redemption arc that doesn't still recall your past and look, I and I and I, I don't want people to feel like this is a personal attack on them if they felt betrayed by that moment. Like you are allowed to feel whatever you feel in the moment. And I think you're supposed to feel that initial betrayal. But I mean, when you stop and really think about it, for those people that think that this was a betrayal of Danny's character, think about what they've done to lead to this moment and think about what we've laid out. I think I think we've made a pretty good case for why they've been, you know, uh, teasing this from Consistent. the beginning of, of episode one even and it's like when you really think about it i think you're going to gain a newfound appreciation for that episode and for the series and for the season overall so you know just just like i get the initial reaction is always to and the initial reaction they're seeking is for the immediate like gut punch and the visceral like oh my god what the fuck danny why would you do that uh, yeah, I even sent you that video, like of the the bar reacting to that, and and like everyone just has this like stunned look on their face, like they just you know, like this traumatized look because like nobody saw it coming. But um, but when you really think about it, it's it's not an out of character moment. It's something they have built to for eight seasons. So I think in the long run, this episode and this series and this season in particular. People are going to look back on and 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 realize it's a lot better than they thought it was. It, in a lot of ways, it's the absolute yeah. realization of all of these stories yeah. that we've for you know a decade. It's hard to be the most popular show on the planet and be a cult classic, but I feel like this final <laughs> season, people are. I mean, you saw the the crowd reactions when Arya killed the Night King, of hundreds of people just going. <gasps> <gasps> I mean, yeah. when is when have you ever seen that on any episode of a show, let alone a movie? That that's like a fucking reaction to like the World Cup. 
No, you know, it felt like a sports. It felt like the the, the most amazing yeah. triumph of your sports team. Like I, that's what I felt in that moment. I how never a, feel that from shows. TV show make millions of people have that reaction, and people say, "Oh, it's hacky or it's mm-hmm. bad writing or it's like no, it's not." It, it again, we got we got several episodes where you got exactly what you wanted. I mean, assuming you like these characters, and then yeah. an episode where they pulled you back in, and again. And it reminded you, as Ramsey Bolton said, as I said at the opening of the episode, uh, if you thought the story had a happy ending, you weren't paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, even to that point of what you were saying, like, I love shows like Breaking Bad and like The Leftovers and, and shows like Lost. And I've never screamed at my TV the way I do every episode of Game of Thrones, especially this season. Like, it, it's just so satisfying. and 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 like visceral and like you know it, it it just touches you in a way that like no other fiction does because they like it's so rare to build a show that's been this consistently good with this many uh, interesting complex characters that you've been rooting for and living with for so long and i think that's a tremendous achievement so like i i really oh, especially as a filmmaker it's so knowing how you make a film takes 90 percent of the fun out of a film right because you know it's all fake yeah. it takes a lot to really get invested uh it, exactly. it's got to work on like three or four different levels all at the same time every line of dialogue has to have multiple meanings every shot has to invoke some theme or allegory or you know uh thesis that that doesn't read off a surface level the way they only are apparently able to pick up on tyt um but you know this show has repeatedly made me feel feelings that i've never felt before moments of of like a combination of fear and dread and anticipation all at the same time in quantities uh proportions that i've never quite experienced and that is you know, as, as a filmmaker, the elation that you want to, to be like, oh, my God, how did they do this? I don't know how they fucking did this so perfectly. I know how they shot it. I know how they scored it. I know how they lit the scene. But mm-hmm. the combination of all those elements together that make it so much greater than some of its parts where you just sit down and go, I, I don't know how anyone can top that. Yeah. But someday somebody will top it. Right. And, and that's why people make that's why we keep making movies it is the highest art form yeah absolutely and we're going to get a lot of game of thrones copycats in the next decade that are not going to be anywhere <laughs> close okay. yeah like the cold play of game of thrones coming yeah out. very much so Although into I, the badlands <laughs> one series i actually i'm really excited for uh, even though it's on amazon you know ugh, um is the dark tower series which is based on stephen king's kind of magnum opus it's very much his game of thrones it's like a seven book series that he actually finished on oh, like george yeah. martin I, I remember it back from when i was very very young and i was just like 10 books and they're all 400 pages long like come on <laughs> but it's, it. it's it's an epic story and it's very much I think Game of Thrones fans will love it. So if they do this right, yeah. I mean, they what they they fucked up. This is what they tried to do with Game of Thrones initially, which was they came out with a Dark Tower movie in 2016, and it's like you cannot truncate a, a layered, incredibly intricate story like Game of Thrones or like the Dark Tower into a couple of movies into a trilogy. Like you just can't fucking do it. You need to live with these characters for ten hours a season for eight seasons. Like you need to you need to build the story that that's that epic. You can't, you, you, this is like Hollywood always misunderstands why 
things are or things are successful. So I'm so glad that Game of Thrones ended up getting the series treatment and not the movie treatment that it was initially being developed for. And that's why I'm really glad also the Dark Tower is going to get that. So hopefully that ends up being the next amazing series we all love. We'll, we'll oh, that would have been terrible. If, if HBO hadn't picked this up, think where it would have landed. Oh, God. Well, it's, it, they mean, probably would have made a trilogy and it would have fucking sucked. It would have been, you know, a more, a slightly better than, you know, average Lord of the Rings ripoff. Or, or if like AMC had gotten it. Could you imagine oh, Game of Thrones Jesus on AMC? Christ. Yeah. No. A network where they had to factor in ad breaks and they, they were trying to tailor to their the dumbest segments of their audience and they like, you know, made decisions season to season based on... No, that would have been fucking awful. So I'm so glad it ended up where it did. You know, HBO is a great fucking place for, for dramas and for uh, things of this nature. So hopefully that ends up, you know... Uh, and they give uh, they give like no notes either. They're like, hey, uh, David Cross, Bob Odenkirk, make whatever fucking sketch comedy you want to make. You know, <laughs> like they just do it. Do whatever the fuck you want to do. Um, yeah. Biggest budget in TV history, Game of Thrones. So like, we're going to do this. We're going to do it right. We're going to make this the biggest fucking show uh, on the planet. It's going to be the most show ever shown. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the beauty of working with HBO. And that's why I'm super excited for the Watchmen series on HBO. And I know I know you have apprehensions about it, and I do too, but Um No, I just I thought the trailer that came out was less than it was kind of just like I've seen all this before in different venues, but I think that uh-huh. um uh, they will they'll tell some stories that they couldn't fit in in that movie. Again, um they're looking at like telling a lot of these little side stories that build a bigger world, which uh, I think it know, actually we, takes we place post the events of the movie even or of the comic, which are slightly yeah. different, but similar to the movie. So it's going to be like post the comic in that universe, but not related yeah. to the movie. Yeah. The imagery looks good. There was, there was something that was like going off about the, the, the cinematography was amazing. And I was like, I don't actually think the photography this, this is that good. The imagery is good, but you can have very bland photography of exceptional imagery and, have it actually not be good cinematography. So there's a little bit. It's also really hard to tell even from like the trailer, like it could be good in the episode. We'll, we'll see eventually. But But I, I I just, yeah, I I think some of the best shows on TV where cinematography is, um, kind of overlooked is where there's not epic imagery. It's very bland imagery, but photographed, uh, in ways that make it look spectacular shows like, uh, halt and catch fire. Mm -hmm. One of the best photographed shows on television, um, and, and very well written and acted, but the imagery is boring. It's like 80s computer Monday, tech cubicles. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think if you're really going to sell a show on on the photography, um, look at how they're using the camera more than what is in front of the camera. Very much so, yeah. And I'm excited for it just because Damon Lindelof, who's the showrunner on Watchmen, just, made, just finished making The Leftovers for HBO, which is the greatest like series that nobody's ever seen like I, I feel like me and like 15 other people have watched it but it's such a moving emotional amazing drama slash pseudo sci-fi series it, it's it's incredible so i i trust so that it's about all the food life. in your fridge right yeah no pretty much i think that that was the biggest <laughs> fucking problem is that horrible name like really it's like the people left over after like a rapture type event. Although you don't know whether or not it's religious in nature or like science based in nature, basically like 2% of the world's population disappears. And it's just like, 
what the fuck do we do now? It's kind of like a lot of stuff. Only from 2%. Endgame, well, that's the thing. It's like, it's not a huge percentage. So it's not like society would shut down, but think about just like in your town, like a hundred people just disappear. You know, it, it's, it's an incredibly right. interesting. Uh, and they don't know why it happened. Exactly. Either, right. Yeah. And it's whereas an incre- with, you know, uh, with our, with Endgame, it's like, oh, it's Thanos. This guy snapped his fingers. Exactly. Of course, we'd all, we'd all know what that meant. It, uh, it, it's kind of like Endgame, but like a way more interesting version of that world, like where they're five years in the future and, you know, like everyone's like dealing with it. And then there's like, you know, cults. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's, it's a great series. But anyway, um, it's on my list. It's on my yeah. list. So Game of Thrones next week, the finale, we're going to come back and analyze it. We might do even one. I think I think we'll come back the week after to do either a wrap up or maybe a kind of a is, review. Is that documentary coming out right after the finale? I thought it was the same. The Sunday after. No, it's a Sunday. It's it's the oh. week after on the, in the same time it's the, slot. It's the so. catharsis of coming back and being like, I need more. What what else? <laughs> Make me feel good. Yeah, it's, our, it's, a, it's our methadone clinic, you know, for to, to get to. Uh, yeah withdraw off a game of thrones so well I, I hope it's not just like an epk you know epk you know behind the scenes kind of bullshit thing i want to see i want to see the cast talk about their what they really yeah what they really think theory. not just oh this was the best episode like oh it was so great working with like no nah, i want to i want to hear what they didn't like like what was some of the hardest fucking things they had to deal with what were you know <laughs> some of the ways they didn't get along on well, set because I, I mean 55 night shoot 55 five day long night shoot there had to be some days where they were just like i'm fucking done with this piece of shit yeah no exactly well i say i sent you that clip of like all the people like kind of subtly like knocking season eight or like to, not even some of them were just like funny but like that there's that one clip of amelia clark on a red carpet and they're like so are you happy with the way the series ended she's like oh yeah it was great like she was like super like hamming it up like I, it's great everything was great it's really worked out really well for, like, right it was so obvious in retrospect that, like, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really well, funny gray worm the guy know, plays gray worms like laughing hysterically because he fucking he knows what what goes down um but what they're talking about could be a mix of the finished product versus like the fucking grueling work schedule they went through Right, sure. so you don't really know exactly with a statement like that, like what 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 are they actually clowning about? So I, 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 you know. I she was probably like trying to get Grey Worm and Masande, the actors that play them, to laugh about the fact that she becomes the villain of the series, and like she was just like, oh yeah, no, it's great, everything works out great, like right, yeah. the big the big uh, reveal there. You're probably right, and again, they're not going to do anything retro- to denigrate the show or the yeah. story. Even if deep down they're like, well, that's not what I would have done with my character. It's like, well, that's you're not the writer. You're the actor. And sometimes you can do both, but not today. Yeah. And, and you know, and back and just wrap up, just back to that, that Mark Hamill thing with Luke Skywalker. He's like, I, you know, and at first I really didn't like that arc, but he had bought into, you know, like we, we say about Daenerys buying into her own hype. He had bought into the hype of Luke Skywalker as the savior of the universe. And when you really watch those movies, you realize Luke Skywalker at the end of Return of the Jedi throws his lightsaber down and refuses to fight. And he's like, yeah. this is fucking still, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not a, this great warrior. Like I, I, I know that there's a better way. Like I'm going to, I'm going to reach you through love because you're my father and you know, there's still good in you. And that's how I'm going to reach you. That's how he saves the universe you know, through sure. love, not through vengeance, not through well, fighting. So, and, and again, I mean, the, these fanboys that were like, what? This is bullshit. This Game of Thrones things were the same ones that were like, what? He has a duel with Kylo Ren and they don't even actually like fucking yeah. smash their 
you know, laser swords together. He just dodges <laughs> it. And it's like, there's this whole fucking breakdown about why that's exactly what he would do. Even if he was there in real life. And it's mm-hmm. like, you gotta, you gotta look at the logic behind these worlds and not just see it as a comic book where it's like, Oh, the great battle of this fucking whatever thing. Like that's, it's not a video game. There yeah. is a story trying to be told here. And if you don't appreciate that, just go back to fucking, you know, playing Halo or whatever the fuck you do. Yeah. And that's, in you know, for whatever people may critique Ryan Johnson for with that movie. I mean, I think he undeniably understands the arc of Luke Skywalker better than those fanboys. And he's better than the guy that plays maybe even better than Mark Hamill. Yeah. So better, better than the guy that wrote fucking star Wars in the first place. Probably better than Disney. Even unfortunately, a lot of people understand the arc of why star Wars was successful more than George Lucas. Uh, It wasn't fucking, you know, trade negotiations and, you know, Lo- really wooden love stories hey, about you gotta playing start with somewhere you gotta start somewhere i think in our, in our real world being that we are you know at our core uh, lefty socialist type folks we know what a trade embargo does you mm-hmm. know an embargo really is a, a violent act and uh you know when you blockade a city cut off their food cut off their power cut off their gold whatever you're ultimately building up towards war um yeah. So uh, w- one more thing I love about uh, the world of uh, Game of Thrones is that they, they do include those things. It's like, oh, we're not just going to fight a battle. Uh, we have to fucking eat. <laughs> How do you feed the greatest <laughs> army in the world? So yeah. uh, I, I guess uh, my, my final prediction is, is than they started with. That's that's yeah. that's probably. How. <laughs> yeah. It, it, just carve up the horses that got slaughtered last night. Yeah. I, I, I do hope we we get a resolution satisfactory, at least to us. I don't care if other people don't give a shit. And they're just like, this sucks because I'll probably people who are at a, who are so like ready, it. no matter what happens, to be like, fuck this fucking yeah. show. They're going to try to find fault. Yeah. So whatever. You know, if that's if that's the, the way you want to engage with a show that you've watched <laughs> for fucking 10 years, that's told you a great story, then that's you totally free to do that. But I, that's not how I engage with this show. And that's not how this show has made me feel. So if you're still with us three fucking hours, you probably uh, more lean more towards uh, <laughs> our side of the fence. So I, I think you, I think you know what we're talking about and uh, we'll see, you know, at the end of the day, how it ends up turning out. So, um, <sighs> yeah, well, uh, you know, if you want to support the show, uh, you can rate review and subscribe on Apple podcasts. That helps us out uh, in the rankings, obviously share the show out. Uh, you can share out our SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash move left. Uh, if you want to uh, check out uh, our main show where we talk about politics, even though it's not nearly as interesting or invigorating as this show, um, you can go check out our main show, which we do. It know, actually for, is. If you, no, if you I'm, like- I'm, yeah, I'm being a day, but like, I, I just uh, I find it so hard to engage with like real life politics because they're just so. Oh, it takes half a week to get back into real politics after fucking one of these episodes. It's I'm so not ready to like, look at real politics anymore. Like this no. week, no, it's like what the fuck is happening in Westeros? But um, yeah. So that's our main show, Move Left Idiots. We do that every Thursday. Usually, it's our socialist talk podcast, and you can come check that out. Uh, we have you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Move Left. Uh, you can find us on uh, Patreon if you want to support the show that way. Patreon.com slash move left. We have merch at tinyurl.com slash move left merch. Uh, I am on Twitter at move underscore left. My voice is completely shot. I am about to fall over in my chair. We're at the three hour mark. 
Hell yeah. Three hours and one <laughs> fucking minute and two seconds, three seconds, four seconds. I'm at you- Smut Collector on Twitter. That's with an ER, not an OR. America. Yep, we're we are delirious at this point, and we will see you next week for the <laughs> final episode of Game of Thrones. At least for the next five years. We'll see. Yep. Exactly. See you next week, everyone. There, there was some there, there. All black and brown and covered in hair. Three boys and goat and a dancing.